In this episode of Industrial Industries World Radio, we check in with Matt Foran from Circus of Dead Squirrels, and it's all coming up now. Well, hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Industrial Industries World Radio. I'm your host, DJ Glowing Ice, and hi, how are you? I hope you're feeling well and everything is good on your end. I'm going to make this short and to the point because I want to get into this. This is a huge, monumental episode because we are talking with none other than Matt Foran of Circus of Dead Squirrels, the lead singer. He's also a part of a lot of other music projects. I have been a big fan of Circus of Dead Squirrels for, I don't know, a third of my life now, practically. And if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, you know he's been a guest in the past, and there's been some feathers ruffled in the past. But this episode, there's the gloves are coming off. And there's going to be a lot of revelations in this episode, a lot of questions that will be answered that a lot of people have been wondering about the past couple years now since this podcast has started. And also, uh, it's just got a lot of stuff in it where we talk about music, we talk about the first time we've got pulled over by the cops, uh, lots of questions. We actually solve a lot of uh, the world's problems towards the end of this interview, and it's uh, it's definitely a good one. And that's all I got to say. I'll be back after the interview to uh, wrap up the show. But yeah, I'm going to shut up now, and let's just get right into the fourth interview with Matt Foran that I've done. But it kind of feels like the first. You'll know what I'm talking about as soon as we get into this. So let's go. This is episode 67 of Industrial Industries World Radio. Now let's check in with Matt Foran. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this fourth interview that I am having with Matt Foran of Circus of Dead Squirrels. Yeah, so it's the fourth one. Talk about your podcast, Mr. Matt. The podcast uh, is actually coming back very soon. Um, now that the uh, the new Circus of Dead Squirrels album's done, I can uh, focus on that again uh, probably within the next two or three weeks. Probably be releasing the first episode of uh, season two now. Yeah, good, good. Um, that's the coolest thing I think a band could ever do because there's a lot of people that always want to know about what's going on inside the band, but... They they never do anything. They don't give a fuck enough to talk about the ins and outs. It's just like, eh, well, we're on tour and here's an album. And yeah, that's something I appreciate about you. You actually set out to do this and talk about shit and hearing like all the stuff. You answer some questions that I I was like, oh, okay, so that's how that. And it kind of changes my perspective of how I thought this music was written and recorded and you know all that because i whenever you listen to a song you kind of if you're into the music enough you kind of imagine what it's like in the room recording it to a certain extent i don't know if you're like that but that's how i am yeah oh absolutely yeah i know what you're talking about um yeah the podcast i didn't know really what i was going to do with it at first i mean i just i planned on originally having probably about 15 to 20 episodes i think i mean i i haven't taken a look at it since I stopped recording, so I don't even know, but I think it was probably about 14 episodes or so. Um, never finished what I thought it would, but I didn't really plan on having multiple seasons. I thought it was going to be kind of a one-time thing and then maybe move on to some other kind of show or whatever. But 
it's interesting because the podcast itself was kind of like revisiting the band since it had been over for years. And then the podcast was kind of partially responsible for bringing the band back. So that's kind of why it kind of just abruptly stopped because we started working on the album. And, um, you know, at that time I didn't plan on not doing any, you know, more episodes, but I just kind of got caught up doing that. And that's when it's like, okay, well, it's, it's, we took a long break from doing that. So, you know, it's been so long that it would only make sense to call this another season now. So I'm just going to kind of continue with what I had planned initially and do it in this season and then maybe, uh, you know, take it to some other places from there. That would be awesome if every season ended with another new Circus of Dead Squirrels album. That would be cool, yeah. It's kind of weird, like, how it created that whole butterfly effect deal. You know, you just threw some stuff out there, just talked about whatever, and all of a sudden, here we have, boom, a new album. Yeah, well, I'll tell you real quick. I mean, uh, John Beeler, he was um, one of the original guys with me way back, you know, when we put out the first album and, you know, the years leading up to that recording vendor recess and i hadn't spoke to him i mean maybe occasionally every now and then i might you know text him or something but we hadn't really spoke you know we weren't really close anymore and you know i asked him to do the podcast and talk about his time with the band and everything it was actually him that i don't know if it was just kind of talking about everything and you know have the good memories and kind of missing all that so he was the one that kind of proposed the idea. Hey, man, if I if I write some new songs, do you want to release something? You know, and I said, I didn't, you know, I'm not opposed to it, but I didn't really think it would happen. And um, and he did. I mean, the guy he worked his ass off, and he was dedicated the entire way. And um, it's really, you know, him that's the mostly responsible for this happening. You know, a lot of other people put in some, you know, a lot of work, but it was his initial kind of push to do it. And if I hadn't connected with him to just talk about you know, our time in the band. I don't know if that's something I really intended on happening. You know, I, 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 you know, the other guy, Dan Raphael, it was me, John and Dan in the beginning. And Dan was the guy that stayed through the whole time. Once he left the band, cause you know, the other guys are kind of dwindled away slowly through the years. And, um, I always kind of thought if it was, well, if it was me and Dan, then it's still circus of the squirrels. That's the, that's the two main people here. And when he finally left too, and it was just me, at that point, I just, you know, that pans over. And, and through the years, a lot of, you know, I've had some other people that wanted to do it. And it just never felt right because I didn't want to be that kind of thing where it's like me and a, and a whole different crew of people. It's like, you know, I'm not that much of a narcissist. I know the band is more than me. So it was the fact that John came back to it being an original guy and an original writer. And then from there, we had some more of the original guys, Craig Douglas and, and Matt Nodland and Derek Sendrick. They all came back, and that's when I knew we you know, we could put out another album under the, the name, you know, Circus Dead Squirrels. So yeah, it's I remember Matt from back in the day. That's one of the guys that I met when I went to see you guys in the middle of bumfuck Illinois, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys were really cool. And uh, from the very beginning, and I guess we're at the point now where we want to come clean with something. Everybody that has listened to any of the prior interviews that we have done. Episode two of this podcast, I interviewed you, and you came off as quite the asshole, didn't you? <laughs> I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, I want to apologize to you. No, I, don't. I just want to break the silence finally. It's been about two and a half years, and say, and make this massive reveal that it was an all an act. It was all an act. And you know, the, the funniest part about that, though, is I. We did that 
you know, to be funny and everything, but it was just, it was actually surprising because a lot of people thought that was legit. <laughs> yeah, I know. So the story behind it is I have known you for years. Uh, ever since I heard Circus of Dead Squirrels on MySpace, I, oh, okay, Matt Foran's the lead singer. Oh, maybe he's on Facebook. Find him on Facebook, you know, friend him like some stalker. I saw that you guys revamped the band in 2012 and you were going to tour. So that's when I first met you uh, was when you toured for Operation Satan. I remember I was buying a t-shirt from you guys and I it was like 15 bucks for the t-shirt. I gave you a 20 and you're like, oh, I don't think we have change. Uh, you're looking. I was like, don't worry about it, dude. Fuck it. It's five bucks. You know, put it towards gas or a coffee or something. And you were just like, no, no. Like you were really like, no, no. I got, you know, I uh, wait for us after the show, you know, get photos and all that stuff. And I was just like, dude, it's five bucks, but that's, that's awesome that you gave, you know, you, you cared that much. So it's like, I knew you were a stand up dude, uh, just from that, but from listening to your music, you kind of get a gist of how the person is anyways. But ever since then though, too, it's like, we've always kind of been in contact and I started this podcast and like at the very beginning, I was thinking, who could I interview that would actually, you know, say, okay, or whatever. And I had, a, like, a few people I interviewed here and there and music guests and all that. But I was like, oh, Matt, he's on my friends list. I'll ask him. And you were the one guy that was above the rest that I ever interviewed that actually had some some traction with anything. And I was thinking, uh, you know, he may say no, he doesn't feel, you know, like I had asked other people, like, from big bands that actually contacted and communicated with me but they flaked out or they ghosted me after a while and i was just like oh well that sucks but move on but you were nice enough you were like fuck yeah let's do something you're like very excited about it and all that stuff and i was like well that's awesome and i was kind of truly fanboying out a little bit like i get to interview him you know it's like because i was just starting fresh with this podcast like i you know i have interviewed people in the past when i used to be in radio but you know like this was on my own terms and you started bringing, you know, you're a creative guy, and you're like, what are we going to do about this? And I was like, I don't really want to do like just a normal kind of interview or whatever. You want to do anything creative? And you brought up something that would be like, uh, you know, uh, Oprah Winfrey show with a radical guy on there talking or some kind of, <laughs> or Barbara Walters interview. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you're, uh, so we came up with this idea that, Okay, you're going to play this really narcissistic asshole rock star who just thinks he's too <laughs> fucking good for the world. <laughs> yeah, Circus of Dead Squirrels that, like, no one really has heard of. It's like this guy, <laughs> the pink boa and everything, and I got the fucking, you know, publicist with me. All right, what up? Here, hurry up, man. We got 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm outside the casino, dude. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> 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 I was just thinking, oh man, this this will be great. So I'm gonna play this real pussy kind of guy that's just a pushover <laughs> and just takes it and just keeps rolling and being nice to him, even though he's just shoveling all of this shit at me. <laughs> and you know, we just got into the characters and we recorded the thing. And I just, <laughs> while we were talking and you were giving the answers, I had to turn away from the fucking mic. Well, I could clip it out, but I was just <laughs> trying so hard not to fucking laugh so it wouldn't bleed over into the phone. And I'm just like, fuck, this is good. No, you did it really well, man. You really did sound like this, this starstruck kind of 
you know, meek, fucking spineless, you know, <laughs> just pathetic guy trying to catch this interview with this rock star that he idolizes. Yeah, yeah some, you know, deep down inside, you're dying because it's like, oh god, this guy's so awful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, you played the part well, and that's why I think it, it went over that way, because there was definitely some people that were like, wow, that guy's a fucking asshole. And I, you know, and then I had other people were like, I feel bad for the, you know, the guy interviewing him, man. Like, the, you know, like, like Craig actually told me in the band, you know, Craig Douglas. Yeah, yeah. I had him listen to him. I'm like, dude, you got to listen to this, you know, and he... He called me. He's like, dude, I, I couldn't get through 15 minutes of that, man. It was, I couldn't take it. I, even though I know it was staged, like, it was hard to listen to, man, because you were just badgering this dude. I, I felt <laughs> so bad. I'm like, I can't even listen to this, man. It's, it's, it's so awkward. <laughs> Jesus, really? <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I mean, the thing is, when you, you know, I was, I was excited. You know, I honestly, man, I, I don't definitely, obviously not a star or anything, but, you know, if someone's a fan of the band and they're excited to talk to me and everything, I mean, that's really great for me than the person interviewing. Cause it's like, Oh, that's really cool that someone's that excited to talk to me. You know, I'm, I'm legitimately honored anytime anybody asked me to do that. But you know, you, like you said, I'd already known you. And I think I had the idea with you cause I knew you had a great sense of humor. I mean, I'd heard your stuff and I mean, yeah. I, I legitimately think you're a funny guy. Like I listen to your independent stuff that you do, you know, on your show. And I think it's hilarious, you know? And I'm like, you know, this is a great, that's something I've always wanted to do. I used to talk to Sam, you know, Audio Flesh for years. I'm like, dude, we should, you know, we should build the characters of these, you know, I want to be like this narcissistic, like rock star. We should do some videos where I'm just like, you know, the sunglasses and like, you know, too cool for everything. And, you know, like, so I never really had the opportunity to do that. And that's why when you confront, I'm like, well, this is the guy because he's got a good sense of humor. He's, he can act well, you know, this will be a lot of fun because I'm more comfortable playing a character than being myself you know so i i really had a ball doing those <laughs> yeah oh uh, yeah the, i i had fun too even though it was killing me just like because it was so out of my character to be this wet noodle of a man you know like just <laughs> fucking i'm like oh you motherfucker <laughs> I think. Yeah, and then of course we had the follow up where you tried to stand up to me, and then I think you you quickly shrunk back down. Yeah, I had an ounce of courage in that second. Your girlfriend, one. your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah she was. Love, a, it wasn't you. I love my girlfriend. I love my baby. Yeah, it's like you know you're you're probably feeling real. If this is real, you know you get off that interview like, oh man, that was really fucking like embarrassing. But you know, but I got to put it out. This big rock star, and then your girlfriend hears that. How can you take that shit? You better stand up to that. You know, you do this real meek kind of confronting me. Look, man, I don't really care so much. But my girlfriend's really angry that you talk to me that way. Hey, man, put your fucking girlfriend on the phone. No, no. <laughs> my girlfriend. My girlfriend. Yeah, it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that was really, really fun, man. But yeah. Just so everybody knows, if, if they're listening and heard that other one, you know, I'm not like that at all. That was the joke of it. I have no, I, in fact, I probably need to have a little more confidence than I do. I, there's nothing, you know, arrogant about me at all. I don't, and then that, you know, going back to your story about when we met at the show, I mean, the, the reason I'm like that is because I, you know, that's, that's another problem I have where I'd like to just sit back and just make the music because I'm not a business guy. I'm not comfortable charging people money like that. You know, I always feel bad. And I know it's like, hey, I'm just asking for money, like for what, 
you know, I'm doing here, but I always mm-hmm. feel bad taking people's money, you know? So when someone buys something, I, I kind of feel like I, I want to go out of my way to like show my appreciation. So that's why like, I already felt bad, you know, charging, you know, for my CD and then you're giving me more and I'm like, Oh, well, I, I owe this guy something. It's just the way I am. You know, I'm not a good businessman. I don't have the, uh, I'm not shrewd enough to, for all that, you know? Well, I think if you were, you wouldn't be making the music you were you would be doing. I mean, I don't think you'd be making music if you were a good, you know, businessman or whatever. And yeah, there's a lot of them in there, though. I'm telling you, there's a lot of them that that, that they really take well to that whole thing too. It's amazing, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just how you have to be. But you know, I certainly don't take any any pleasure in it. I would much rather have somebody else handle that and be kind of disconnected from it. But well, it is what it is. But I remember the fallout. My buddy, kind of yellow. We just put out an album. Uh, he had yep. said, uh, "Man, don't ever meet your heroes." That's the old saying. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious, man. That is so fucking funny. That means we did a good job. Yeah, I, I played it off for a while. Like, yeah, I know. I, th- I th- we had a good time, though. I mean, you know, he he probably just had a bad day, and you know, no, man, he was cool to me. I don't know. He seemed cool to me. We're friends. No, we're friends. Yeah. We're cool. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I know. That's why when you asked to do another interview here, I was planning on man being the dick again, and you're like, yeah, I think it's time, man. <laughs> We gotta let we gotta let people know because it's. I don't think this is doing. I don't think this is gonna do well for you. I think anybody that hears this is the last thing they're gonna want to do is check out your shit after this. Yeah, I know exactly. At some point, you gotta tell him, man. Yeah, I heard that interview. He's a fucking asshole. I ain't buying his shit. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, well that's that's out there, and uh, I'm glad that people know now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure most people. I mean, I know a lot of the people on my end that. Most of them knew that it was it was a comedy thing, but you yeah. know, I was amazed too. There were some people even over here. Uh, I, I think I told you before, but my my wife's uh, friend had called and and she had heard it through somehow. She just stumbled upon it and was like, "Is Matt okay?" <laughs> and she's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "I don't know. I heard this this interview he did, and it was he was such an asshole." Like. <laughs> I felt so bad for the guy interviewing. I mean, he was just being a dick about everything. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Like, even people that kind of know me thought it was real. You know, it's 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 very heartwarming because I'm so used to putting out like straight, like just me being who I really am, like videos or whatever, and I'll get like negative feedback saying, "Oh, fuck you," just like out of nowhere and shit. <laughs> but like when. I'm actually being a character who's like a total bitch. Um, there's people that I don't even know coming out of the woodwork, like in support of me and like defending me. And I'm like, man, that's really sweet. That's really awesome that there are people out there that really care. But and I felt it made me feel a little bad because like, oh, it's such it's just an act. <laughs> like, <laughs> Now, did you tell people or you just play it off? I played it off like this is the first time like <laughs> I, anybody's I'm revealing it to anybody. So this is the big monumental <laughs> opening. the. Curtain. Oh, wow. So oh, I didn't know that. I didn't. I thought okay. I thought you just played it off for a little bit. Okay. Well, there you go. I would never. I would never treat DJ here like that. I would never do that. And I wouldn't be that much of a bitch either. In fact, I'm probably no. more of an asshole than Matt is. So. 
honesty. Well, I haven't seen it, but, but yeah, but I don't think you would take shit from people. And, you know, and, and the, here's the, here's the really horrifying part of that though, that, that I will tell you from my, you know, from my limited experience in this industry that exists, there are people out there like that. It's maybe why it's somewhat believable, but there are people that are like that. I, I've met them. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and, you know, the same guys, you know, trying to scare the shit out of you on the album and fuck this and fuck that. Then you meet them and they're the biggest fucking prick. It's like, no, no, fuck you. <laughs> Seriously, you're the fucking D-bag. You're the fucking reason that people fucking hate each other, you asshole. Yeah. They're the people that don't hold the door open for people, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyways. Well, there we go. That is uh, the go. big reveal. Talk about scary medleys. Medleys. Uh, who came up with the title for that? Um, I did, uh, the first album we did Indoor Recess again, with that was more of kind of like a mixed bag of songs. There wasn't any kind of theme to the album. And then once we did pop culture massacre, that's when we started kind of doing the concept type, you know, themed based albums. And, uh, and obviously operation Satan was the most of the, of the, of the bunch with the theme, you know, the whole animal rights thing. Right. So for this one, I knew I had considered doing more of a concept thing, but I was like, you know, it might be cool just to not really put the pressure of any type of song here and just kind of you know for each individual track just write whatever so went back to that kind of just basic formula for this one and um the only thing that there is kind of a concept to is this kind of this looney tunes arch to the whole thing you know that's kind of spread out throughout it uh the artwork's all kind of based off of looney tunes parodies and um you know obviously the title scary melodies is a, a parody of merry melodies the i don't know exactly what the deal was with that that's i don't know if that's what it was called originally but the merry melodies is always attached to looney tunes so that's where that title came from and uh yeah and i kind of just came up with the whole concept to kind of basing it around uh the cartoon thing when i listened to it for the first time it felt like it all flowed together it, it went from one thing to the other and that was a great thing because it's hard for a lot of people to mesh things as well as it did was that a, a an idea that you guys wanted to go with originally um kind of i mean it, it was interesting because in the beginning john was writing you know all the guitar riffs and stuff and then craig you know put the keys on it and programmed the drums and all that kind of stuff all the electronic stuff and i worked with craig on that then Craig started writing some of his own songs with it. So then there was the kind of like, well, you know, we want this to all sound cohesive, you know, but it did because, you know, we're using a lot of the same sounds, uh, you know, this, this album too, it wasn't as keyboard heavy as our older stuff. There is a lot of keys in there, but the, it's probably a little more, the overall mix at the end of it was a little more guitar heavy. I mean, you can obviously hear that there's a bunch of keys in there, but we used like a lot of that scarier kind of church organ sound in a lot of these tracks. So we used a lot of the same sounds. So I think that's what helped, you know, no matter who's writing it. And we had, you know, John played the guitar on the majority of the record, but there was like one track where Craig just played and, and Craig played some other things here and there, some lead parts, some other, and Derek had played one song, but you know, because we were using a lot of the same sounds and stuff like that, uh, I think it still flowed together nicely. What can you say about, the theme of this album compared to the other ones like so let's take a look at the four albums and if you could just like like the emotions not really necessarily the theme but the emotions uh throughout each album yeah that's a good question actually uh for the first one i mean we were like you know kids basically at that point when when we were started writing that stuff at least and you know by the time we released it i think we were in our very early 20s so i mean there's a lot of angst on that one and a lot of like really silly dumb kind of lyrics that I, you know, I love still to this day, but I don't think I'd ever write a lot of that stuff again. You know, some of that stuff I listened to and I cringe a little bit, you know, some of the things they said on those, on that first album, right, but, yeah. 
But you know, it's the fact that it's all it's all part of the you know. If you're 21 years old, you're not going to say the same things you will at 40. So, you know, I don't I don't hold myself that responsible for anything. But, but yeah, that, I mean, at that time, it was that typical, you know, just hatred for the world at that age, you know, and a lot of uh, silly, dumb stuff. Um, and and again, there was there was a mix of emotions on that album. There was a selfish prayer that was very, you know, personal song to me, and and that that still is, you know, something that I am proud of as far as the poetry of it and everything and what it meant to me. You know, but that was a, that was a mix, mostly mostly angry or just trying to. You know, I think at that point we were trying to figure out who the hell we were. Still, I didn't know if we wanted to be like a comedy band or if we wanted to be like a serious, like scare the shit out of you, like creep show type band. I didn't know, and I think I just you know was, was kind of working through it still. And then Pop Culture Massacre, I think we kind of like fine tuned what we were doing on that album. And then I think what happened was it was kind of a mix of it all. You know, that we didn't really. We're not like a comedy band. You know, there is comedy in our music, but I wouldn't say we're like, you know, like Guar or Psycho Stick or something. You know, there's a lot of serious stuff in there. There's a lot of real anger. There's a lot of real, you know, ideas right. and critiques of the world in there. But there's always some black comedy thrown in there. And, and you know, some songs more than others. But I think on that album, we got that. And I think Pop Culture Massacre had some very angry songs on it you know like overpopulation annihilation and um, i guess losing touch and um utopia burning you know they, 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 a lot of those songs were, were angry too but uh i i think those two albums were similar it's just that we kind of perfected more of what we were and what we were doing on pop culture massacre operation satan was uh was very angry and i remember it's funny i remember when i put that out and and there was a, a few people that were like where's all the anger and you know this where's all the rage and i'm like really because i feel like this is the most pissed off i've ever been maybe because you know if you're not really if you don't give a shit about animals and that kind of stuff i mean it might not really hit you but yeah i mean i was very pissed off very angry on that one and like i said i think it was the angriest i've ever been because i was reading all this shit about slaughterhouses and all the you know just this horrible stuff you know the animal testing and watching these god-awful videos and i mean just disturbed from it i mean honestly that's a record i could never do again because that one fucked me up i mean i got obsessed with it for a little while and i watched things that i just never want to see again things that i never wanted to see in the first place but things i felt like i should see like i mean we're talking like animals skinned alive and right and, and just just horrible things you know animals mm -hmm. going down the line they're still alive and being cut up and everything i mean it was, it was really disturbing i mean i had nightmares you know but yeah but you know it, i did it because i'm like you know not only do i want to feel like i'm educated on this because just because it's tough you can't turn a blind eye these things happen in the world you need to know so you can make decisions of what you want to do with your life you know and uh and also i wanted to write a factual you know album I, those there's all facts in that album it was like almost like a an educational album. Everything I'm saying in there, there, and like I said, there is some comedy thrown in there, but everything's based off research on you know real things that are happening. So it was very fucked up during that album. Emotionally, you know, very pissed off with the world. Definitely wanted to murder a few people in that one. Ugh. And then, and then on the, I mean, TPCM too. I mean, I don't. It was just talking about this in another interview. I mean, I don't. I guess that was like an EP. There was four brand new songs in there. There was two covers. You know, we did I'm Too Sexy and... Um, oh, my God. I'm so glad... the hell's the other? She drives me crazy. 
She drives me crazy. Yeah. Isn't that bad? No, I am so fuck. I remember the post like a million years ago, and you were talking about uh, there was a list of songs you guys should cover, and I was just like, "Dude, I'm too sexy." Oh my god! And then when it finally came, and I was just like, "Yes!" It felt so good, like knowing that. <laughs> Like I might have had some kind of play with that because I don't think no, anybody else did. said anything about that song. No, no, that yeah, that was something I wanted to do. Um, I actually really, this is kind of embarrassing, but I actually really love the band Right Side Fred. I do too. It's a great. It's, do you really? I love a lot of shit that a lot of people wouldn't think. I mean, it's cheesy. It's very cheesy, very hokey kind of music, but it's kind of great for that. You know, for that reason alone. <laughs> well, you you can't compare. Like, you can't listen to a fucking disco album and you know expect it to be a heavy metal band. You just got to take it for what it is and enjoy it for what it is. That's that's. Yeah. No. I mean, I know we're getting off subject here, but I will say this. I mean, bands like that. Like, I think you would think I'm the guy that yells and screams in the band and and writes all the lyrics and you know the the vulgarity of the band, everything. But I'm the guy that's always pushing the cheese ball shit, you know. I, and it, I, 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 even with Craig, you know, it was the same thing with Dan. I always want put put some horns in there. No, man, come on. No, put some cheesy horns in there. Are you? You know, I'm always trying to cheese it up, and they always kind of talk it back down. So that's why I like that kind of element of the the cheesy like '80s, early '90s kind of crap mixed with like a heavy thing. You know, I think we kind of do that a little bit at times. But you know, if it was up to me, I think we'd probably do it even more. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, but TPCM two, uh, that album kind of got like forgotten and it's not, like I said, it's not really, I mean, it's an album obviously, but it's not like a full length. So I never know if like, is this our fifth album or a fourth? I, I mean, I guess I consider this our fourth full length. That was a, an EP, I guess, cause it was mostly remixes and it just had a little bit of new material on it. Yeah. Um, I still consider it like a nice little gem within the timeline of CODs. Yeah, most people don't even know those songs. Um, and, I, you know, there were some issues with that. I wasn't thrilled with the outcome of that. It was a little bit uh, hissy, like piercy, and, you know, but it's just... You know, so I have a hard time going back. I, I don't even listen to that. That's why I couldn't even remember the other song we covered. But mm -hmm. at that point, I mean, it was getting a little sad because I, that was the only one I was literally in the studio all by myself in that one. You know, it was just, oh. it was just me. It was just me and Mark who, who did everything, you know, the recording stuff. And because Dan, Dan had played guitar and all those songs and everything. But at that point, we were pretty much done with each other. And he did what he had to do over there and just kind of sent it over to me. And those were older songs. We, we kind of touched them up a bit. But those were songs from Indoor Recess and Pop Culture Massacre uh, days that we didn't use. So, you know, that, and they were new. I mean, I wrote all new lyrics and stuff. So to me, they felt like new songs, but mm -hmm. they weren't entirely new material because it was. So I'm not even going to go through that because it was just the same kind of material we were doing on those first two albums. But then uh, on this one, you know, definitely angry on this one, but it reminded me more of Indoor Recess a little bit, like where I just didn't give a shit. Like it didn't have a filter on it. And I think some of it's, I think the album's a little darker than our older material. Uh, not, not only the lyrics, but I think the overall sound of it is a little bit darker and um, heavier, I guess, too. Um, That's what I've noticed, yeah. It's like, I'll tell you my favorite track is uh, Stand Up, where you just kind of rant and rave about shit that pisses you off. And I, that's the thing that made me fall in love with you guys in the first place, is that you do have that element of, yeah, you could be funny and playful, but you could also be dark with tracks like Nobody Quite Like Me. That track and just the whole, you know, like uh, the, the more serious stuff, 
as like a young 20 year old uh or in his mid-20s listening to that it was just like that album scratched the itch that a lot of other music couldn't and listening to the funny shit too it's like uh it's the best of both worlds. Like if you're if you're in a relationship with somebody, you just don't want them to be serious all the time. You know, you yeah, want them that's to true. <laughs> So it's like that's how I kind of take music. It's like, yeah. yeah, okay, this person is actually human. They're not always just oh, I'm serious all, you know, like just deep voice guy that's just uh, dressed in black in a corner all day, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a lot of that out there, but and I'm not knocking it if that's your thing. But you know, maybe that's been part of the problem with the band too. Um, not a problem, but like as far as us not, you know, getting bigger or reaching a larger audience, that maybe there is this kind of confusion as to what we're doing. But I don't really care that much. I guess if you care about that stuff and you're really like, you know, trying to specifically market your music and and, and maximize your profits, and that's your main agenda. I mean, which is. I'm sure most of the bands we're all aware of, you know, that's right. why they've gotten to the level they've gotten to. And I guess that's something you got to do in a business sense. But for me, I just didn't care. It's like, you know, some songs I hear and I, I just get a vibe. It's like, you know, this one, this one's not going to be funny. You know, I, this one doesn't feel funny to me. I, I kind of get a feeling from the actual music itself, you know? So, but you know, it might confuse people. Cause it's like, I don't know what the, I don't know if I should take these guys seriously or if I should laugh. And the truth of it is you should do both. Me making music myself, it's like I'll have like a really great music track, but I'll fuck it up by putting farts and like talking about ass or whatever. And (laughs) and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. But and then my friends would be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm just like, I thought it was funny. I wanted to enjoy myself. Like I'm making music that I like that I want to hear. Like I'm not thinking how many, how many Spotify fucking streams am I going to get from this song or anything like that? It's just what I really feel like doing. So maybe a lot of other people have like a money sense of if you're making music, you should be making a lot of money from it. And I'm not saying it would be great, but I'm also wanting to enjoy myself with my time yeah. that I have here mm-hmm. alive, you know? No, and I think, um, you know, the truth is too, I mean, people always think, oh, that could have been a hit. That's just like, you know, that's like, that just doesn't happen anymore. You know, like the hit songs are so manufactured. There's such a, a recipe to, to make those songs that, you know what I mean? They're very, it's very obvious how to make a hit. And it's, it's not just like, I don't think it really happens anymore. It's like, Oh my God, this is all over the radio. You know, it's just a different world out there now where, you know, this stuff is so manufactured by a bunch of fucking think tanks. So, you know, you don't have to worry. It's like, maybe the song could have been huge. Now, you know, Probably not, you know, like yeah. you can have the most brilliant song in the world. And if you're not connected and you're not, you know, in that whole scene, like it's, it doesn't matter, you know, but you know, but that's the thing. Then a lot of these songs that like take off are so stupid and you just don't know what people are going to like. So that's why your best bet is just do whatever feels natural to you. You know, if you hear a song and you want to fart on it, fart away, you know, <laughs> shit your pants on the damn thing, you know, Whatever field you're the you're the damn artist, you know. People people will feel what you're feeling or they don't. I feel like, yeah, it's there's a, so many writing teams. If you go on like Wikipedia and look up at any hit song, you'll see like so many people wrote like this part of the verse and this this other person wrote this part and this Absolutely. was it the hook was written by somebody else completely. Yeah, and, it's not like it used to be. Yeah, no. it's very it's it's a whole process and they know exactly people are not that hard to figure out. You know, it's very easy 
you know, certain notes, you know, and certain words are going to trigger certain emotions and you know, all these songs. It's, 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 to me, it's always amazing. Like some artists, like, you know, like Lady Gaga or, you know, any of these bigger people, you know, what's that fucking asshole from the voice? What's his name? Adam Levine or whatever, you know, all these people that just have multiple hits, just hit after hit after hit. The likelihood of that happening is very, very rare. You know, you might, that's why if you look at like in the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, even the nineties, you know, a lot of these bands only had one or two hits. They may have had a lot of great material and a big, you know, a large catalog of great music and everything, but there was only a handful of them for the majority of the bands. Not, obviously there was some, a lot of exceptions to that too, but they would have just a couple bigger songs. You knew of them. And then you would either get into the band or you wouldn't because to reach the masses like that with these huge singles, if you're writing it like really sincerely, that's that's not going to happen. But if you have a formula with a team of people that specifically got you that first hit in the first place, and there's all this money, it's a it's a business, you know. That's why they just all these people write this music for these people, and these they're not going to give them shit. These songs are singled out and they're they're hand selected as they know these are going to be hits. It's so it's such bullshit, you know. Yeah, they see it as an investment. They see this pretty face. Okay, we're going to match it with this great writer, and then we're going to dump a million dollars towards advertising and put it in front of everybody. And that's that's yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. It's like, put the even if it's a shitty song, if we push it enough and pay enough to get it in front of everybody's faces and ears, uh, it's bound to create an earworm, and it's going to be stuck in their head, and they're going to want to revisit it. Like, any song could be a hit song. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't really matter. As long as it's pushed with advertising, you know, it's uh, oh, Savage Garden. You remember Savage Garden from the 90s? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, yeah. so the story behind them was they were an Australian band, just two guys. One guy made all the music, the other guy did all the vocals, and that was that. And they wrote these songs, recorded at home, and put out like 100 or 200 demo discs. Didn't get one call except from this one company that was in australia and they got signed to that they did a little record deal that was almost kind of indie but it was distributed throughout australia and anyways uh a dat tape from back in the day that had the song i want you on it and he goes uh chicka cherry cola uh with that mm -hmm. line on it what is that about anyway what what is that what, what where does that come from I know the story how it happened because the way he was saying it, it was just like in the moment while he was singing it, it kind of just uh, stumbled and it was just kind of like it wasn't even written down as Chicka Cherry Cola. That's just how it kind of came out when he was singing oh, okay. it. Well, that's why I assumed. I didn't know if I was missing some deep meaning here. To, okay. <laughs> no, but it's 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 funny how like a little thing like that became such like a, a little bit of a sensation back in the 90s and yeah. like there was a dat tape of that song that was sent over and played in some radio station in uh the US and nobody knew who they were and uh Rosie O'Donnell she had that show back in the day she wound up talking about the song oh, and God. that's what <laughs> that's what blew them up and the rest is history you know they became you know million records sold Hit yeah. after hit, all that stuff. But, you know, in the very beginning... So what are you trying to tell me? I got to get in touch with Rosie O'Donnell? Is that we? <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, let's see here. Kelly Clarkson has a show now. Uh, Drew Barrymore has a show. You need to start... She does? Yeah, surprise. I saw it on Facebook. America's Sweetheart? Yeah. 
the thing is, that song Truly Madly Deeply, that love song that they have that's played on every grocery store, over the speakers, everything, collecting massive royalties to this day, was on an old CD demo that was turned down by millions of or hundreds of yeah. record labels, you know? Yeah, that's how it goes. So that, I mean, no, it's true. Yeah, it's just one person that will say, okay, yeah, you know, someone in power that could do that. And so it's like, that's why I say any song could be a hit. Well, I'll keep that in mind. I'll try to push one of these things. Maybe stand up. You said stand up. Maybe I'll maybe I'll push that. Maybe we'll get somebody in that. one of these elitist circles. will uh, enjoy that, and we can get that on billboards and shit. You know, <laughs> fucking have a picture of me just with, like with my shoulders up. Like what the hell thing? We want fucking mozzarella chips. <laughs> you know, I could be the next sensation. You know, I could be uh, doing commercials for McDonald's. And- AT&T and all this shit, you know? That'd be awesome. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll sell out. I'm going to say it right now. I will sell out just to support my addiction to toys. Yeah, I would too, man. For sure. You know? Yeah. I would just, if I was a millionaire, I would still live in an apartment and I would just buy tons of shit on eBay all day. Uh, that would be the That's dream. A, yeah, that would be the dream. That's why people like me are not rich. Chicka cherry cold. Maybe like a, how about, um, Bick a bick of broccoli, you know, like something, you know, like I have to find that thing that all the kids will, will be saying, you know, moly woly McDonald's or something. You just yeah, something. Some, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, turn back to the album for a little bit because I want to know what was the process from the last album to this album, recording wise. What was the difference? Big difference. This this one had a very big difference, and from all our other albums. Um, the first couple, you know, we had all the guys in the studio and stuff, but, you know, Indoor Recess, it was just the three of us. And then Pop Culture Massacre was was mostly just the three of us still. But actually, I think we were the only three that were on the album, actually. Uh, Craig did play a few, uh, some keyboards here and there, but it was mostly just me, Dan, and John again. Dan did all the stuff at his own home studio, played all the guitars and, and programmed everything there. And then me and Matt, Nodland, uh, who plays bass, we we were in the studio. Um, so you, typically, and then TPCM too. Like I said, it was just me at that point. Uh, Dan did everything in California on his own, and then I did everything here in Massachusetts. Up until this album, there was never a, you know too many people on the actual record. There was really never more than three people typically, and especially in the studio, you know, we never really had a bunch of people in there. It wasn't like this big fucking party that people think. You know, it wasn't, it was very, you know, dead silence in between things and just sitting there, you know, trying not to nod off. It's not this cocaine and hookers and everything else that people think that bands are doing. It probably is for some of these big guys, but certainly not for me. You know, it's usually me, you know, spending two hours leading up to lunch, you know, thinking about what the hell I'm going to eat. Oh, the chicken parm sounds really good. <laughs> That's about as exciting as some of those days get, unfortunately. But, uh, <laughs> No, I, I don't mean that. It's actually, it's very exciting to work in albums, but it's just a very tedious, you know, somewhat quiet process, you know. I love making albums, honestly. But my biggest thing with the band has always been the live thing. I was never wild about playing shows, never. Not even in the beginning. It was never my thing. I would do it because, you know, you have to, and I would still do it, you know, and it's not that I don't enjoy it. I'm not saying that, but that's not my main pleasure in doing this i love creating the music i love the process of you know making albums and watching them unfold so even you know it can be tedious and you listen to a lot of the same shit as you know over and over again it can be aggravating because i'm a little bit of a perfectionist so i get very 
hung up on things. And the truth is we just don't have much money. It's a very, very low budget band. So there's only so much we can do. I can't sit there and work on things over and over again once you hit the studio, like a lot of other bands can. We don't have, you know, $100,000 here thrown at us to, to make an album. You know, we got to we got to stay focused and, and, and at some point you got to move on because you're just blowing through too much money on something. But, uh, right. But anyway, on this album, it was the first time and this, this I did intentionally. See, when I started talking to John about doing it and then we had approached Craig, uh, about coming back and, and kind of taking the reins from what Dan used to do with all the, the keyboards and the programming and stuff like that. You know, we could have just done the album like that. It could have just been the three of us, but I really wanted to get, a couple of the other guys, at least. I reached out to a lot of them. Pretty much anybody that was, you know, a real significant part of the band, you know, and I was like, this might be a good opportunity because Dan's not here anymore. Let's get some of these other guys that never really had an opportunity to play on an album, you know, but have been solid live members of this band, you know, contributing members to the songs, you know, giving their ideas and stuff. So I reached out to Derek and, and Matt came back. And, and so it was the first album we ever did with like a full band. It felt more like a band this time. Um, so that was very different. We did things much more organically. I don't even think there's anything programmed on this. Craig played everything live on keys and recorded it. So I don't believe maybe a couple little things here and there, but most of this was not programmed. The drums were programmed, but uh, none of the keyboards were. So so I think in that sense alone, it felt, and I think it sounds more like a live band on this one than our, than our other stuff did. A little bit more human. You know, some of our other stuff, you know, and it's great. You know, I love our older material, but it was a little bit robotic because it is so programmed. It is such on such a grid. You know, this one was a little looser feeling, uh, much more like a live band, you know. So that was the major difference on this one. I read somewhere that you, uh, it was a long time ago. There was a post that I read where you mentioned or whoever wrote it saying that it, there's like sometimes almost 30 vocal tracks layered through a song or something like that. Do you record a lot of vocal tracks or uh, what, what's your process with recording vocals? And do you just, I may, I may have meant uh, like 30 total tracks, you know, oh. our, our songs. Well, that's the other thing about this album too. We had a uh, uh, Noah Buchanan mixed it and mastered it. And we've never up until this point, Mark Allen Miller has done our albums completely, you know, independently you know we've never had anybody else involved i mean we've had other people master it you know and there was a little bit of a story leading up to that and why that came to be it doesn't really matter in the end we ended up having noah mix it you know and mark did a lot of work i did all the vocals with mark and then we we actually went through and had them produced with him so the vocals weren't really touched in the mix they were already done hmm. we we you know got all the effects we wanted to use and got them sitting where we wanted to with the different voices blended and all that stuff and mark we recorded all the guitars and bass with him and you know, so he had some major involvement in this, but, you know, then everything was handed off to Noah and Noah, he's the, you know, when I know him through Ventana, uh, I don't know him that well, you know, I know him better now after working with this, uh, but, uh, he was doing live sound, you know, about a decade ago when I, when I toured with, uh, Ventana, when they, when those guys were playing in the band, he's in a band called Solipsis, looks like a death metal band. He does a lot of brutal like heavier type music uh, as far as his, his own you know mixing and what he performs himself cool so it's just kind of something i was like you know it'd be cool to to do something with you one day so i kind of saw that as another opportunity too it's like we you know we always talk about doing something with noah and maybe we can get a little bit of a different sound you know instead of doing the same formula every time so he definitely brought a little bit more of that heaviness to it that probably wouldn't have been there if we hadn't 
it's crazy, right? When you hear demos that you're so used to hearing and then after it's mixed, it's almost its own different. It's like a different album. Was there anything on this album that really shocked you how much it changed from like the demo or whatever, the raw take to the finished product? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, and that, that was the thing about this album too, is our other albums, we would hear it pretty, pretty close to what it was going to be. Cause Dan did a lot of the pre-production at home. We, we would work on that at his place, you know, and everything was programmed and he would record uh, the guitars himself. So we were getting a really good idea. You just, you know, you, the, in the, those days, the main surprise would be the vocals because you didn't hear those yet. So once you put all the vocals on everything after hearing these songs without them for so long, it was always like, whoa. So that was always the main thing there. But with this one, it went through so, you know, so many stages of development where when Craig was just, when me and him were putting together the songs, you know, John didn't have any kind of real good recording equipment. So we'd hear these really shitty kind of scratch guitars Mm-hmm. You know, and Craig's just playing keys. They sound very lo-fi. I don't know. I mean, just, yeah, like lo-fi. It just, you know, wasn't hitting you yet. And so I remember some of the other guys were like, oh, yeah, it sounds pretty good, man. But I don't know. But I kept telling them, like, dude, you got to understand, like, this is going to go through a, a process. And all the drums, the sounds we were using weren't great. At some point, we, you know, knew that these were going to be changed to different sounds, you know, through MIDI and everything. We can change them to, to more live kit sounds. So, mm-hmm. Every time we would take it into a different stage of development, it was always like, whoa, that's really starting to sound better. So it was always kind of like shocking. But the biggest shock probably was when we gave the songs to Noah and we didn't really know what to expect because we've always done this one way. And we first heard his stuff coming back, especially a song like Lipstick on a Pig, the second track. That one got really fucking heavy. You know, and we were like, holy shit. You know, that, that was it was a pretty heavy song, but it was not was not nearly that heavy and he definitely made that like come out more and it, that seems to be the song too like initially here from the fans that that people have most taken to um and i didn't i didn't expect that um but yeah that was kind of the, the big shock for that that he was changing all the guitar tones and he was doing stuff that was definitely giving us a much heavier sound so that was at first a little bit like holy shit i'm not used to hearing us that way where would you place this album compared to the other ones? Like, if you were to just, uh, you know, where would you rate this one out of the four? Wow, that's a real shitty thing to ask an artist, man. <laughs> that's a really shitty thing. <laughs> no, it's a good question, but it's it's making me, you know, I'm 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 struggling here with depression here. You know, that's that's not something I really want to get into now. You know, um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding, but. Uh, Wow, that's a great question, man. Um, I don't know. I really, I guess because it's so fresh still. I mean, I think you always, I think if you're doing it right or if you actually care about what you're doing and you'll probably feel the same way mm-hmm. that, you know, when you're done doing something new, you know, leading up to it when you finish it, when you're in that whole, you know, mindset of it still before it kind of fades off and becomes, you know, shelved for you and you move on to the next thing. I think you think it's your best work. You know, I think that's just natural. Everybody always thinks, so. Oh, you know, this is the best thing I've done. And I think, <laughs> I would like to think people think because there's nothing like making something. It's like, yeah, it's all right. It's not, you know, it's not nearly as good as, you know, but you always think it's the best thing. So at this point, you know, I feel like this is our best material as far as, you know, our growth and, and, and maturing as musicians and stuff and doing some different kinds of stuff. I don't know. That's tough. I mean, I think all the albums are so different that that's a really hard thing to, to answer. I mean, I think the pop culture massacre is probably our most like iconic 
of the bunch. I think that captured like who we are. I think you got that like classic kind of CODs thing going on there. I think Operation Satan, I had some issues with the end results that we struggled with that a bit um, as far as getting the sound we wanted for it. And I don't really know if we, if we ever fully got there on that. I mean, I appreciate it now, but I remember I had some real issues with that back in the day. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I think there's some, some things that were great about the older material. I think it was maybe a little wackier sounding, you know, had more of like an industrial rock thing going. I think that's cool. And I'm not saying we're not going to do that again. I think in this one, I don't even know if it was our intention, but we just ended up putting out something a little bit darker, a little heavier, uh, it's tough to say if that's if that's the way we're going to keep going or if we're going to kind of go back and do some more of that style stuff. And I, th- I think that style is still present in the music, but I think we kind of gave it a different paint job, I guess you could say. And um, So I guess if I had to stack the albums, uh, I mean, you mean as far as my favorites or what? Do you, uh, in what sense? Well, here's the thing. This question was more of like a test. I wanted to know if you were a true musician and every true musician... <laughs> always says that their latest album is their most proudest. That's their, their latest work is it's always that. And I am the same with you with uh, any of the albums I've put out. I, I love them all because each one is different in a way. They're like kids. Yeah. One is a more sporty one. One is more douchey. One is kind of quiet, you know, but you got to love them all the same. And you really can't, it's you can't ever really place one above the other, you know? No, and I will say this, like, I think, it, uh, you know, a lot of bands do, you know, they put out the same kind of stuff over and over again, you know, and that's probably easier to judge because you're kind of doing the same thing every time, the same formula, and you can kind of identify it more if you're like doing it better or worse or whatever. But like, I will say this is very intentional and it you will see it on the next album. I've already thinking about that. I'm already. Oh, no shit. You guys are number five already. Oh yeah, and I'm planning. This one's going to come out much faster. I mean, awesome. and this is going to be. I'm I'm planning something that I'm not going to say because I don't want to, you know, put expectations out there because this is something that's a little bit up in the air. But my plan for it will be really, really fucking cool. Nice. Um, but I intentionally every time try to do something different with these albums. I never try to make the same one again. I never try to just you know let's do what we did last time. It's always purposely trying different things and that's one of the reasons we did bring Noah. yeah we knew just just somebody else mixing is going to bring a different style to this you know yeah so it's it's always done so it is hard to compare things when when they're very different from each other but obviously you're the same band the same musicians is going to all you know somewhat sound alike i will say this though and i'll break off from that a bit sure and, and i because because i agree with what you're saying and i do stand that you know, I feel like this is the best material I've done and this and that because it's the newest thing. And I mean that truthfully. Yeah. And I'll say that next time too. <laughs> but the one I'm most proud of, you know, is Operation Satan because that to me meant more than me just putting out music, you know, just because I want to feel cool or, you know, I want to get my artistic, you know, whatever inside out or, you know, and, and get those feelings out. That one meant, like, felt like it was more than me. Like, I feel like it meant more life and, like, the world. And whether or not, obviously, I don't think that really meant that much to a lot of people. We certainly didn't, you know, get much exposure for that or anything. But just on a personal level, sorry, this car almost fucking hit me. Hi. What the fuck? All right. So, <laughs> this person literally just last second, like, just pulled away. I'm fucking sitting in a parking lot, by the way. <laughs> Anyway, but you know, that, that's the one still to this day that it was a lot of research, a lot of 
like I said earlier, I mean, it just took a lot out of me. So I'm, I'm proud that I got through that because I don't, that's, that's one album I don't think I could do again. I don't, I couldn't do all that again. I won't do that again. It's, it's more refreshing whenever you do something more than yourself. So I, I completely understand that where it's, because like music is a very selfish kind of uh thing because you're writing about you and what you think and blah 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 but when you make it about a certain subject or whatever it's it kind of elevates and uh like you said it's more than just yourself it feels like you're doing some kind of good in the world and to a certain extent right i don't think most people get that opportunity very often yeah i certainly don't you know you don't really get many moments in your life you know life is crazy it's just busy You're, you're always busy you just run around all day doing you know, stuff that you have to do, stuff that is important, you know, on a personal level, but it's certainly not doing much to put any ideas out there to change the world or anything. You know, we rarely get those opportunities. So that was my, my moment to do it. And, you know, we raised some money, you know, playing those shows afterwards, uh, doing those two tours with the Ventana guys and everything. And, and it just, you know, made me feel uh, good that I was about something for once. So I, I will always remember that album for that. Yeah. Looking towards the future, other musical projects, is there anything that you always wanted to do that you never really got to do musically? Like outside of any other band or whatever, was there any other kind of genre you ever wanted to try out or anything? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's something I've thought about. I mean, this is going to sound stupid, but this is the truth. I mean, I felt like this since we started the whole thing. I mean, I don't think I ever expected us to become like a big band or anything, like, you know, and you know, hugely successful, maybe in the very beginning. And I think kids all have that idea. Oh, I'm going to put together a band. I'm going to be famous. My fucking parents don't know shit. I ain't going to fucking college. Watch how much money I make doing this shit. Fuck, don't people to suck my dick. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and that's never, you know, 0.001% of the time it works out for, like, trying to think of some shithead band that came out when they were, like, real young. Uh, anyway, you know, so besides that, I'm sure that, crossed my mind back then but in general throughout the history of this band i've never we're doing music that's just too fucking weird it's it's not gonna ever reach the masses you know and i know that i don't give a shit this is who we are i'm not gonna pretend to be something just because we could be more popular but i would have loved to have done an album with a real producer you know under with a real label with a real budget because i will say i don't mean this in an arrogant way but i hear a lot of bands that are getting like, you know, anywhere probably from like $50,000 to $100,000 to record an album. And the end result is just not that impressive. And you're like, really? You spent that kind of money on this fucking thing? Like, I can't imagine if somebody gave us even like 50 grand and we could spend days mixing these songs. There's so much shit in these songs. And it's, you know, that's a part of the band too that people don't know. You know, we don't have that big of a budget and you're hearing these songs and we we are not going to tell people about this, but we get a little bummed out sometimes because it's like, oh man, you can't hear this, you can't hear that. There's always all these little details, and some of them sometimes they just don't all pop out because it would really take some fine tuning, like mixing, like really spending several days on these things to get everything to pop out. And I always wanted just just one album, you know, just to do it that way, just to see what we could do and to really just make this as huge as it possibly could be. Um, so I still, you know, and obviously the older you get, the more unlikely that becomes, but something I always wished we could have done just one time, Yeah. you know, like I love this band called the hunger. I don't know if you ever heard of them. No, I haven't, but there's several bands like that, but the hunger, you know, they had their opportunity. You know, I think it was like the late nineties. They put out an album under like universal records 
Mm-hmm. And it was an awesome album, you know, and I think they did have uh, like a hit, Vanishing Cream was called. They were kind of like part of that new industrial sound, like Stabbing Westward and Filter and all that shit at that time. Yeah. And the album was great, you know, and then it just, it's like they got their chance and they had like a somewhat hit. And I guess the sales probably just weren't outstanding. They, I think that the one following they, they still put out under Universal and that was it. And then they continued to put out albums independently and i mean you can hear the difference you know like oh, it, yeah definitely. it went down but you probably would have never noticed that but the fact that they had that big one that obviously had some real money thrown into it and the producer and the label and all that i mean it would make a difference so i would have loved to have heard our band like super produced super polished like real like people that were really dedicated to doing it but as far as like different styles and stuff like that yeah I'm, we're putting out a uh, hip-hop album um <laughs> not <laughs> oh, well, I really expect that to be funny, but <laughs> no, I, I'm ready to hear you spit. Yeah, I can bust some fucking rhymes, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> could you spit some rhymes? Spit that fire? Yeah, yeah, I can. I've done competitions, everything. <laughs> you got your hoodie on. You're puking in the sink before the battle rapping. Y- yo, <laughs> no, of course I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of kidding, but I don't know, Marin. I was thinking about that the other day. You know, I was listening to that fucking. Uh, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I didn't know about this whole bad baby thing. Some some girl, you know, like the Eric Cartman, you know, the, the parody of like the kids on, uh, you know, whatever, Jerry Springer or whatever. You don't know me. You don't know me. I think that's how her name is. I, you said baby. Maybe that's how it well, is. Well, I think it is baby. Yeah, because I think I heard people saying it. But oh, it, okay. It's spelled with, um, spell with an H. Like yeah, B- okay. H- yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen her. She was on Dr. Phil and she was, yeah, yeah, yeah. catch me outside. How about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, I don't know what I was looking at, and that somehow I was reading something about it. I think it was looking for something with Doctor Phil because I listen to his podcast sometimes. Believe it or not, it's actually really good. But uh, that the true crime one he does. But I know, I know he's a steaming pile of shit. But you know, <laughs> if, if you present things well, you present things well. I don't know. So, uh, but anyway, I stumbled upon that. I had no idea, and I'm like, I'm so out of the loop. Like, I don't know. Any new artists, I don't know any new hits. I really, because I don't listen to that shit. I have no fucking clue. So I see all this merch from these people. I'm like, I don't like Billie Eilish or whatever. Was that her name? Uh, yeah, yeah. I have no idea who the fuck that is. No clue. Uh, I saw one dude that was my age sharing one of his her songs. And he was like, man, this is fire. This is so good. And I listened to it. And I was like, maybe I'm getting old, but... I think this sucks. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? This is shit. Yeah, but we didn't like we didn't like the big commercial stuff. You know, even when we were younger, either. You know, it's not like right. You know, not like everybody did some of it, but but anyway, I, just so I don't get too off here, but I, somehow that came up, and then I was like, oh, I didn't know this was like a huge like phenomenon. Like she's this huge thing, and you know, because I just thought it was funny that whole Doctor Phil thing, and then becoming a star, and then I started listening to some of her music, and I'm like. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of good. Like, bitches, everything, bitches, bitches, you know, everything is bitches, bitches. And I'm like, like the beats were kind of cool. And I'm like, well, shit, I don't know. I could probably do a song like this. I really think you could. You just got to drop all of your inhibitions and just go at it, you know? Well, maybe I should have you write some beats for us for that, Uh, you know, because I don't really, I don't think we understand hip hop music enough to pull that off. But if somebody else did, I could. 
I would definitely make some beats just <laughs> just for that. I I would go in hard on that. Yeah, I'm not kidding. We'll have to talk uh, privately about this, but it's something even just for a song. But I don't think I'd ever do a whole album like that. But <laughs> um, but no, I, I you know we started off as a ska band, and uh, we still have elements of that in there. But I mean, I've always you know toyed with the idea of doing Toilet Duck again, just a one-off album thing, like more punk kind of ska thing, and. You know, I, I want to do, um, I don't know, under CODs or under a different project. Uh, I will briefly give you a little update on Plutus Hubris, too, while we're talking. But, sure. but you know, I, I would like to do something, like, really, really heavily industrial-influenced. You know, we, we, we are, I, I consider us an industrial band overall. But, I mean, we're not industrial. You know, it's just, I think if you were going to throw us into a category, we, we have the, some of those elements to it. And especially our older material. But I'd like to do a really like electronic, like more poundy kind of industrial album. Um, maybe maybe Cods will do that. That'd you know, be cool. Because, I would definitely. Yeah, that'd be right up my alley. Yeah, that's what I mean. That was the original intent when we brought this one back. I said, you know, let's do a more like live band feel on this one, a little bit heavier, but like more of a live thing. You know, and that's what I'm saying. How we purposely try to do things differently. And I'm like, you know, and then in the next one, let's pull. Like almost like pulling the elements of what we do and having those on the forefront. And I said maybe the next one we can go like ultra electronic and do like a really heavily you know industrial influenced album. That was the original idea. I have a different idea now. If that idea doesn't work out, that's probably what we're going to do. I don't think we really try to be anything. We just write the way we write. So I think for that one we could, if we really focus ourselves, it would be cool to kind of challenge ourselves to be like, let's make a really you know industrial album. Like, no doubt about it. It's not like, uh, you know, it's an influence. Like, we are industrial on this one. I would love to do that. That'd be badass. I'd, I'd look, I'm looking forward to that one. Going back to talking about Bad Baby for a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the audience, if you're still with us here, that was not planned. We have not talked about that previously. We so, whatever he's about to say, this is right off the cusp here. Billy Eilish, this is what, what we're talking about? Click. <laughs> this is my kind of proposal to CODs, the band, and okay. to kind of push it into the next level. You want me to get in touch with her? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Everybody that is popping off right now musically... Mm-hmm. They they don't even have 15 seconds of fame. They have half a second of fame, and then it's off to the next thing. You want to know why? Why? TikTok. Yes. Everybody is a, a film producer now in their own way, uh, 15 <laughs> seconds, and they use music that fit whatever. What you ought to do, too, is also start your own page, your own TikTok page, and you can start doing dances. You can get up there and, you know, no, no. do do some kind of like – funny thing that make people want to share the videos and you get your name out there you know like okay here's a video you could do it say it's like friday and mm-hmm. you could be like pretending that you're spider-man Whoa. and you could be like hey we're ready to sling on into the weekend oh man and i don't know if i can do that okay no i'm hearing you out go i'm sorry or you could like dance and be like you know you hate Mondays when, and then you could yeah. do yeah. some scream one of your songs or something. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, that's something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> no, I will. I'm serious. No, I'm really serious. I will. I will. Uh, I'll pass that along to uh, management. <laughs> no, but you know what's sad? You're right. 
<laughs> you know I'm full of shit. Like I would never seriously <laughs> tell no, you. No, I know, but that's the that's what's horrible about it, man. Like that is so really sad. But but no, we were talking about that the other day. I mean, you know, I'm old, man. And I don't know what these goddamn kids are doing these days. You know, and uh, cats out of the fucking bag, people. I have a job. You know, I. I all these comments of the years. How much fucking money do you need, man? You could charge me for this. <laughs> How much money do you need, dude? I can't pay my rent this month, asshole. Yeah, I, lo- I lost money doing this band. I've never made a profit. I- that's the truth. Let me just tell everybody. Listen, I've never made a fucking penny doing circus of that scrolls. Not one cent. I have never made a dime. I have lost money. So believe me, I do this for pa- this is my passion. It's sure as hell not for money. <laughs> Well, don't you just love that, though? Everybody just sees that you have music out or you're doing this or you have videos or whatever, and they just think automatically you must be rich. Yeah, and I just sit around all day and, I, you know, just until the next album rolls around, I'm just rolling in it. All these fucking royalties, checks coming in. Nope, that's like most of this album, most of every album we've ever done was literally me. I just came from work and I had to fucking drive two hours. I'm absolutely exhausted. And record all night and get two hours of sleep and then fucking do it again, go back to work. I mean, that's that's the life, you know, of a rock star here. But uh Yeah. <laughs> but no, there's a guy at work that fucking he's constantly showing me the TikTok stuff, you know, and he's a great guy. I love him, but it's like he's just like mm. I always wonder, I'm like, what the hell is this guy always watching this? Some big ass just jiggling around like this is what you're fucking watching all night. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you might as well just watch porn. I mean, for fuck's sake, like <laughs> What's this constant tease you got? Just like, get it over with, you know? It's a slow burn. To, what, are you going to end up jerking off at some point? Just fucking get it over with. What's this fucking tease you got to put, you know? like. But I'm like, is this what people are doing? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But uh, No, it's... Yeah, it's, I, I don't know if I have the attention. Well, I guess, now I guess that's the point. Because I'm going to say, well, I don't know if I have that type of attention span. Like, these sporadic things, one after another. I think I have enough problems with that. That would just fucking send me over the edge, you know? It's sensory overload. Sometimes I I just have to shut everything out. Like I have a Facebook and an Instagram. I don't have Twitter or anything else. And it's just like that's enough already. I don't want to. I don't want to read anybody else's thoughts or whatever. And it's like I got enough stuff going on. In my, like what's also is like crazy now is you'll see random people just out of nowhere dancing. You know, and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck are they doing? Happy idiots, man. And oh, they have their phones set up and they're trying to dance. Oh, okay, that's what it's they're TikToking. All right. You know, and that's part of the problem with this too. I'm not that connected to the world. I, I don't actually enjoy social media. I mean, I like talking to our fans and stuff. I re- legitimately do, but I'm also not the kind of guy that's like particularly good at creating content and constantly like posting things. You know, it's just not my thing. You know, and that that's that's the problem with the band too. I felt like every band nowadays you have to be so many different roles you know like you can't i would love to just write music all the time just record songs all the time and have some other people that do all that shit and of course at your own leisure you can check in and talk with the fans and comment and stuff and you know maybe even run your page but just you have to be like a businessman you have to be a marketer and it's like i kind of went into music because i don't like doing that shit <laughs> you know like it's <laughs> My, like, I'm not going to tell people what I do for a living, but I sure as shit don't do like advertising shit like that. Hey, you know, and then I come and do this ah, music. It's like, no, I hate that shit. I hate that fucking aspect of the world that we have to put on this bullshit act of like, hey, check me out. You know, I don't want to do that. Right. But I feel like you have to sell yourself. It's actually quite cringing. 
That's what used to be wonderful before our time even about music. It's like, you just be an artist. And usually these dudes are probably pretty humble. And they're artsy-fartsy, weirdo fucking types that are kind of... Like, look at Kurt Cobain. I don't think that guy would be doing this shit. No, fuck no. You know, this would not be happening. You know, and that's what kind of makes them rock stars. They're the asshole that comes out of the bus and nobody can fucking talk to. And it's like, if you actually got to talk to this person, you felt like you were a fucking star too because it's so goddamn rare. Now it's like... I got to pop in and, sorry, your T-shirt's late. Um, I'll check with the post office tomorrow. It's the same guy that, like, you were just idolizing 10 minutes ago. And I'm the clown that has to go check the USPS tracking number now. It's like, what the fuck, man? And it sucks the fun out of the whole thing, you know? Yeah, well, I know. It, it's, it is cringing. I, I feel that. And there's people like, man, you would, you would make so much more sales with your record if you were just like, hey, you know, start promoting yourself. And it's like, ah, I know. I, I do enough shit. I write the shit. I record the shit. I just, uh, you know. It's tough to do that, man. You're either yeah. that kind of person or you're not. And I know you have to do that. But it's, it's, it's not comfortable for me. And I'm sure, you know, as you're saying for you and a lot of other people. And it just sucks that that is how competitive. And that's the great thing about the internet. You know, you can get your music out there. There's a lot more exposure. You know, a lot more people are going to know who you are than, you know, if you're doing this bullshit, you have to hand out demos and go from city to city, you know. But at the same time, it's just so much competition now. It's just this uh, endless sea of music that, like, you have to do all that stuff or you get swallowed. You have to be on every fucking social media platform. You have to be constantly doing something to stimulate your audience. You know, it's like a lot of pressure. And I think that's probably been a big part of the band's problem. We haven't done any promotion we haven't done any advertising at all everything we've done has been completely organic so we don't have a huge following but it's a big enough following where i can at least feel proud because it's like hey that happened organically like we didn't pay for followers we didn't pay to be featured on this and that and i know we we should do that we think we might have to soon if we want to keep growing here but you know i can feel good that like Hey, these are legitimate people that like the band. Yeah. You no, know, like have this other guy, dude. He just started. I'm not going to say names, but yeah, this, he never fucking listened to this anyway. But he, this guy that just got into music, you know, and he's like, just out of nowhere, he just, oh, I just, I felt like I should make an album. And then he's like, oh, I couldn't believe it. I had first day I released a single, a single, you know, he's like, oh, it's 7 p.m. on Friday, like build. And I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know, it's like, I've been doing this for 20 years and we don't do that shit. It's like, when it's fucking done, We'll give it to you, okay? We're not going to hold it hostage for two weeks. We have a countdown up. <laughs> Who's going to be the first here at midnight? You know, it's like, who gives it? Look, it's fucking, as soon as I hear it, you can hear this shit, okay? But, like, this guy is acting like it's fucking, you know, like MTV music video countdown. Uh, you know, and it, so he's telling me, like, yeah, I couldn't believe it, man. It's really blown up. Like, it had a thousand views on Spotify right away. I'm like, really, dude? Uh. And I'm thinking, is this for real? Because I'm thinking, we must suck. <laughs> and then I go on his Facebook page. Every time he posts something, there's I'm not even fucking being dramatic here. There's like two likes and zero comments in every fucking post. Oh. And I'm like, okay. But then again, you know, you have this many uh, viewers here, this, that. Like, what are you really doing, man? He's probably just has his song on repeat playing from his own computer. And, you know, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> well, then it was like he had somebody feature his music, like some big thing. And he's acting like, and I could see like there's like a thousand views from that. It was like some huge site. 
and it was very vague. They're like, check this out. And he's like, wow, I'm so honored. I can't believe it. It's like, dude, you obviously paid for that. Uh... But you're trying to act like, oh, my Lord, I'm so fucking honored. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, there's a lot of that. But you know what I mean? It's just a lot of fake bullshit going on there. And, yeah. you know, I don't know, man. I don't have very many friends in this industry. I will I'm, See, now, now you're getting me all wild and opening up about shit. But I don't. I have not made many friends in this industry, and I actually think that most people in this industry are fucking complete pieces of shit. Yeah, I really do. I will tell you that. I, I I've met some wonderful people too, but a lot of them are fucking shitbag narcissists, fucking just as fake and empty as you could ever imagine. And it's scary too. And they're all just you, just trying to be a bigger star than the next. And I just never let that shit get to my head. Maybe I should have. Maybe I maybe I wouldn't be working. Maybe I would have that life, but it's not me. Even in my area, when I was in a band 10, 12 years ago, I would do battle the bands with my band, and there would be all these other bands that would be, like, chilling, watching us play. And after we get done with a song, it would be, like, a few people clapping, and some people in the back would just be <laughs> mean mugging us. And it's just like, we, we were the metal band that was kind of goofy. You know, we would come in, say, be nice to everybody, and people would be like, whoa, what the fuck? You're a metal band. It's like, you're, people are caught off guard if you're nice, but you're also in a metal band. Like, if you're in a metal band, you're supposed to be a complete shithead asshole or something. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? true, man. No, I was the same way. I used to always try to at least, you know, go out of my way to to tell the opening bands and stuff that they did great and, you know, at least check out a couple of, the, you know, we had other shit to do and, you know, get our stuff together and all that. But, you know, check out a couple of the songs. I mean, and I can say that uh, very few people did that for us. It was very obvious that once they got off the stage, they didn't give two fucks, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, those Battle of the Band things back in the day. Oh, my God, man. That was the worst. I That's why I always hated the live thing. It was just this. I used to love getting up on a stage and you'd look out there at the audience and there's always be these, these guys are all revved up. It's like, Oh, I got to impress you. Get the, you know, like they're just staring at you. What do you got, man? Bring it. It's like, you know what? Dude? <laughs> I don't know what I got, but it's, it's not for you. Get the fuck out of here. Go sit down and get a drink. You know, I, I don't know what, you, I'm not going to do a backflip up here and piss on the crowd. I don't know what you're expecting, but ain't gonna happen. I, I want to tell you, uh, it was really cool. One time this kid got on stage. I was the lead singer for this band and he got on stage. He was like eight years old and we had a song called Dirty Whore. Oh. And apparently his parents let him listen to our music or whatever. And uh, I'd be like, what's your favorite song? And I put the mic to him. And he says, Dirty Whore. And I was just like, oh. Oh, God, I'm responsible for this. I wrote that song and it kind of made me feel bad but i wanted to play it off like oh yeah right on man cool yeah. and i'm just like fuck man <laughs> am i doing the right thing here am i should i do something different kid's probably in prison now he's probably in prison now yeah he he jumped into the crowd and crowd surfed uh, apparently this kid went to a bunch of different concerts like that was his life with his parents which is cool don't get me wrong that's badass but in that moment like the the moral side of me, whatever was left, was like, oh man, this ain't a good look, man. <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. I'm, oh god. Yeah, I struggle with that whole morality thing too because I think when I'm when I'm doing the music, when I'm writing the lyrics and stuff, and you know, you don't think too much outside of that, and I don't think you ever think that you know your fans will be younger or anything like that. And I remember, you know, like some of the shirts and um, you know that I think there was always ideas of putting like like a uh, 
vulgarities on the fucking shirts and stuff. And I've always been like, I don't want to be that band, you know, but right. me personally, like, and I'm not trying to knock anybody. You, you do your thing. Me personally, I couldn't walk around like a fucking grocery store with a shirt that says, oh, fuck your mother. You know, I don't, I don't want to be that person, you know, like, cause when I see that and I, maybe it's cause I'm a dad now, you know, I have a child and I, I just always think like, dude, what, what do you, do you need attention that bad? Right. Like, I'm not trying to be a censor, but like, there's a time and a place for that. Wear that shit at a club, wear that shit at a fucking hot topic or whatever, but don't. Don't go, don't come to fucking you know stop and shop wearing that where there's fucking old old broads and little kids and shit and you're sitting there oh fuck you and your ass written in huge letters okay well that's lovely we're all looking at you we all we all acknowledge your existence get the fuck out of here what kind of fucking person would wear that I feel like the biggest asshole let me just let me just say something real quick before we move on I sure because I know you know a lot of our fans are into that kind of shit and you know. I'm not a censor and I'm not judging people. If, if you have your own thing going on where you want to wear a shirt that says fuck you on or something for whatever you're going through, that's an individual choice. I'm just saying for me as a, me individually, me personally, I can't, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Right. So I'm not, I'm not like, I don't want people to be like, who's this fucking guy thinking? I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. I'm not saying that it's necessarily wrong to do that. I'm just saying me, I couldn't do that. Right. I, I'm sure there's probably like, oh, well, look who's holier than thou now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a well, This guy's dude. 40. Damn, he definitely is an old man. You know, fucking crotchety about everything. It's the same guy who wanted to fucking mow down people in Kmart and overpopulation. Now this guy's telling me, well, I need to go to church. Fuck you. <laughs> you fucking lost your edge, bro. No, and I always had the edge. I just think there's a time and a place for that because I think... If you listen to the lyrics, I think that is a part of the problem of the world that people are so goddamn so self-important and they never really consider others. You know, like there's there's just you know the world would be a better place if people would at least consider their surroundings, what's what's appropriate at what time. You know, make make a stand, change things, but do it in, a, in an intelligent way. You know, want to go back into your music? It's like you wrote a line about people needing to hold the door open for other people and shit, you know, it's yeah. your music or anybody's music is almost like a reaction to how they, you know, how the world has treated them. And I, I feel like the more angrier and more crazier it is, the music is very crazy, but it's just the person realizing, Oh, this is wrong. And I want to talk about it. I mean, that's just my idea. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, those shirts, the fucking, you know, whatever the hell it says on it, you know, these bold <laughs> statements, wear it at some elitist club, you know, go to a fucking country club and walk around with that shit. That would be funny. That would be, there would be a, a, a statement there. There would be a purpose for that. I'm just saying, don't walk around a grocery store. There's like little innocent kids and shit. You know, there's just, there's enough bullshit in the world. You know, like that's really awkward and just really, like you said, with the kid, the dirty whore thing, it's like, you know, it doesn't make you feel I don't think people consider that until something's like brought to their attention, you know, it's just like, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be that person. You know, that's all I'm saying. Time and a place, time and a place. We'll put we'll put out a shirt with a big fucking cock on it. So we'll do something like that for, for that crowd. <laughs> yeah. But I will, I will include a little, you know, a little slip that, you know, with some uh, <laughs> encouraging words, you know, where, where this would best be worn. You know? Yeah. Where at a church, you know, if you, if you go to church with it, go to fucking a country club, like I said, you know, go to, Go to some fucking uh, wine 
tasting thing. I don't, you know, those assholes, I could give two shits, offend the shit out of them. But, you know, common folk, don't, don't, don't fuck with them too much. You know, they're already dealing with enough shit. When I was a teenager... I'll admit, I had a lot of shirts that had all kinds of crazy shit. I always, oh, me too, yeah. me too. Yeah, so I, we're all guilty of doing that. Any Anybody that was cool back in the day is guilty of that. And, you know, I always felt like, personally, if I could put myself back in my, like, 18-year-old mind, it was just like, yeah, a lot of people ain't gonna like this, but fuck them. I'm cool as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, and... and Seeing it now, I mean, I think what we're getting at is seeing it now where it's like, oh, I remember when I was like that. Oh, please. Yeah, but you know what it is, man? You know what it is? Like, I think if we were to put out some real vulgar shirts, I would want it to be something. Like, have some actual balls when you do it. Like, just saying, fuck you. Your mother's a fucking whore. You know, it's like, that's easy. You know, that's just just complete stupidity. You're just a fucking moron, really. You know, it's like, you know, at least make some kind of statement. You know, have the balls. That's the kind of shit you might get your ass kicked, though. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They don't have they, these people that think they got balls. It's like it don't take balls to wear that. It takes balls to wear some kind of big fucking bold statement about something. Yeah, right. You know, actually try to change people's minds or expose people to something. You know. Well, let's move on to. Yeah, let's move on because yeah, that yeah. was really. Uh, <laughs> I just uh, lost half the fans on that one. So. <laughs> Fuck this guy, man! This guy to fucking. What a fucking square, dude. Square, wow, I really sound old. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not even as old to say that, but I don't know why. Yeah, you had to be a teenager in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Apparently, I'm like 70 here. <laughs> it's hip to be square, man. It's hip. That will be the shirt. That's the shirt we'll bring back. Well, that's there like we go. Lewis shirt. Yeah. yeah. Is this for real? This fucking asshole just unbelievable. This lazy piece of shit. Did you hear that little ding? No, I didn't. Okay, well, this uh, person decides that they're going to bring the car. I'm sitting in a parking lot, just so people know. I'm, I'm really uh, living the high life over here. But, you know, the little cart racks they have, you know, where you return the cart. Mm-hmm. This person, you know, put in enough effort to not just leave it by the car, decides to walk halfway to the cart rack, and then apparently said, fuck it. Just gives the thing a push, and nowhere near the thing, and it literally went flying by my car, almost hit the front of my car, and just smashed into the side of the car. Rail. So that that's about the most half-assed effort I've ever seen in doing that. I don't know what changed. They they had the right intention and just said, "Fuck it, I'll have faith." What a fucking show! And then just darted. The, they apparently didn't see me sitting there because they didn't give two fucks that thing just smashed right into my car, which it almost did. Anyway, <laughs> oh man. New well, song idea. You ever seen the YouTube channel Cart Narcs? No. Okay, it's this guy that walks around with a GoPro on, and he has, like, bumper magnets he throws on cars uh, from people that leave their carts unattended and don't <laughs> put it back in the cart corral. Dude, yeah. it, it's fucking gold. You need to look it up on Cart Narcs. <laughs> Agent Sebastian is a uh, legend. <laughs> I'll send you a link. So what, is he catching before they leave? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, he has... You see, like... The most disgusting, like, just reactions from people. Everyday people that you would see shopping in the store, but when you rile them up and say, hey, maybe take your cart back. Oh, man, some of them blow up and go crazy. It's fucking gold. You need to check it out. I have to see this, man. Oh, yeah. Cart-narks. Oh, I know what I'm doing tonight. Yeah. What's it called? Cart narcs. Okay. Yeah. Talking about, like, teenagers and stuff. Um, goddamn kids. Yeah, I know. Yeah, tell me about it. 
I always have this thing that I think about, man, if I could just go back in time and tell my younger self getting into music, the things that I could tell them now, is there any kind of advice that you would give your teenage self that you know now, you know, to steer them on a better path musically? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would tell them, do it, do whatever you want to do, you know, take it seriously, be you, be as disgusting as you want, be as loud, whatever it is you're into, but don't ever think this is going to be your career. It's just not, you know, it's very rare, but you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to push it as much as you can, but make sure that this is just one of the things you do, do something else too. you know, have some kind of other focus too along the way. Don't just, you know, think that you're going to ride this out because it's not going to happen. That is some good advice. And I think people would tell me that too, but you didn't want to hear it, you know? So I don't know if that would ever change, but I mean, that's just the point of it. It's like, you know, that's how you know if you're doing this for real though, because here I am all these years later and you're doing it and we obviously aren't making a ton of money and we're not doing it, you know, professionally or as a career or anything, but we keep doing it, you know, and that's how you weed out people. Some people might go, you know, I think I'm and they do it for a few years and realize how fucking tough it is and how little money there actually is involved with it. And then they obviously just never do it again. Then, you know, when they're 50 years old and they're, you know, getting their family reunion to, oh, they're all laughing. Yeah, this is my band. You guys really could have made it, you know, if you kept doing it. <laughs> you know, you know, some of these people just keep doing it because they're like, yeah, you know, I thought maybe it would have been cool to, you know, live this life, but it didn't happen. But I never, you know, I did it because I like making music, though. So we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, the way I see it is this. What if I did make a lot of money, like millionaire and all that stuff? What would I want to do? I would just want to make more music. Right. The only reason it's nice to make money, besides the obvious, if you can just, it would just be nice to do this and this is what you do for a living. And you know, obviously do what you enjoy doing and getting paid for it and just not having to worry about anything else. But besides that, I mean, it's just making enough money to keep doing it. That's all you, we really hope for is that, you know, we, right. it costs money, you know, the, the studio time. And even if you're doing things from home, then, you know, if you're going to put out CDs and all this stuff, I mean, just there's all obvious prices for everything. So it's just nice to get to a place where, hey, I don't have to lose money doing this, you know, because I don't have enough really to, to get, a, you know, get by most of the time. So I can't, I can't do this as a complete hobby. I need to make some kind of money to keep doing this. You know, that's all we really hope for at this point. I mean, Anything more would be great, but right. There's just like having enough money where you could do extra things, like really make a nice music video and stuff like that. But I, I would say the good news about that is technology has advanced so much that all you really need is like a green screen and a few lights from Amazon, and you can make a decent looking music video. Yeah, we're we're gonna be doing that. We we've been talking about that. That's another thing we really gotta start doing. You know, I'm like, you know, it is time. We gotta put out videos and stuff. So. And you got to understand, I mean, we weren't, we weren't together for a long time. So that we're just coming back, you know, obviously the focus was putting out the album and, and, you know, I really do enjoy doing the podcast thing and especially, you know, doing it with people like you yeah. and I'm hoping, you know, maybe you can branch out and do some other things off that. So that's, that's, I consider that kind of part of the band experience now. So getting that podcast back up and then, you know, we're talking about other things that we got to get involved with now that we're active. Yeah, definitely. If you ne- ever need any help, you want me to interview anybody else or take over have a segment in the show to help you with production or whatever just let me know i'm cool with that yeah no i would I, i've told people about you because okay. you, uh, you do it very well 
Yeah, they listen to my show and they say, fuck that guy and turn it off. No, no, honestly, everybody. <laughs> and no, really, everybody has heard it. Is, I mean, really impressed. I mean, you know what you're doing and, and you got a good platform. And no, really. I mean, well, thanks, honestly, I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I mean, everybody's like, yeah, he's good. I mean, I appreciate that. Thanks, bro. I'm going to move on now to finish up this interview. It's been a long length. I think we've touched a lot of good shit on here, a lot of music stuff, which is good. Yeah, I feel touched. Yeah, yeah, very, very touched. Is there anything else you want to tell the audience and the listeners out there uh, about the album, what you have going on in the future? The album is out. uh, It's only out on Bandcamp right now. So if you haven't uh, heard it, uh, you can go to our Bandcamp page. Just obviously search for Circuits of Dead Squirrels there. Um, you can stream the album. We would all greatly appreciate if you would purchase the album uh, for everything, for all the reasons we've discussed. Um, but if for any reason you just want to check out the band or you don't have the money, you know, you're obviously welcome to just listen to it there. The CD is coming out. Uh, it's still being uh, uh, manufactured. It should be arriving very soon so that will be available too um it is currently uh being inspected and being approved for you know all the uh apple music and spotify and all those things so it will be available there shortly as well you can check our facebook page for updates Uh, like i said we are working very very beginning stages of trying to uh, come up with the initial ideas of the next album so that's something i would probably say will be maybe this year maybe next year some other musical projects we got uh, discussing. Uh, I never got, I told you earlier I would talk about Plutus Hubris, but that there's probably some more of that to come, a little bit of some changes with that, but uh, I do intend on doing that. And the, the podcast, as I also mentioned, will be coming back very soon. Yeah, and we have a lot of other stuff that we're developing. A lot, a shit ton of merch is coming out very mm. soon. But yeah, you'll definitely see a much more active presence from the band. I just want to say it's so refreshing having first talked to you a couple of years ago on the podcast and now like how much stuff is happening now. It's so fucking exciting and I'm so happy that uh, you're at the point you are at now. You did put out an album last year, I think. Yeah, last year, Snuff Lick. Was that a one-off thing or is there going to be a continuation with that? It was a one-off thing. Uh, okay. I had just talked to Craig the other day about that, about maybe doing a, a follow up to that but i don't think it's something we're gonna do we might do another weird project together but we'll probably call it something else so snuff flick was a very i mean the name itself kind of kind of summarized what the project was and i think it was just kind of like a, a one-off kind of presentation more than an actual band yeah but yeah if you haven't heard that i mean i, I think that kind of went on under the radar a little bit I, I, people i'm not sure how to judge your reaction to that because it was very different from cods but i think you know if you haven't heard that you know give it a listen listen to it with an open mind uh, i did put a lot of of energy into that it's a very very personal much more personal and dark kind of thing than cods so check that out too yeah what's the name of the uh podcast for everybody to check out it's called uh rip chords cods cast c-o-d-s cast you go to any of the uh the podcast platforms and just search for circus of dead squirrels it will come up but it is called Ripcord's Codscast. All right. Everybody check that out. And now it's the fun time. Huh? We're going to bust right through here. We're going to talk about firsts, your first okay. certain thing. So we got uh, quite a few. We got about 15 or so. So Holy shit. All right. All right. So Matt Foran, Mr. Matt yeah. Foran, what was your first date with a girl? 
Well, first date wasn't with a girl, and it wasn't either with a man either, technically. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that, no, that's... Uh, God damn, I don't... My first date... Like, when you say date, do you mean, like, actually, like, going somewhere with a girl? Yeah, like, like let's talk about where, oh, you see a girl you like, and you actually walk up and say, hey, you want to go out? Or you she gives you her number or something to that effect. Some kind of exchange where you actually make a date instead of just like, oh, girl next door or whatever, and you just go to McDonald's or something. Not that, but... Yeah, okay. Well, th- I mean, we went to like a, a, like a fair, a local fair, which I know you know a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. Uh, but yeah, it was a local fair, and it was with the woman, the girl, which would be the woman that I'd marry later in life, which is interesting. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, we wrote a little... Um, what are those little spinny fucking, what is it, a Ferris wheel? Is that what they call it? Ferris Bueller wheel? Yeah, something like that, I guess. Yeah, we went to a little local fair, and I think I, I won her some kind of little stuffed animal. You know, it was a very uh, American love story, you know? Yeah. Speaking of Drew Barrymore, it was kind of that, you know, it was really right up there in the ranks of just uh, everything you'd expect. And well, that's very sweet. It was, it was pretty sweet, yeah. <laughs> Okay. And uh, actually, let me just tell you a quick thing real quick to tie that in. That was the same fair that the band that I would very shortly after be involved with called Cows, we performed at and were kicked out because uh, someone decided to come up on stage and shove their hand up their ass while we were playing. And so we all got thrown off of that one. Yeah. And I was also swearing at the microphone and there was, uh, I just got done. (laughs) I think I got a complete tyrant about this, but I was there was families and stuff around. I'm like, this fucking next song's called "Fucking Cunt Suck." <laughs> so yeah, that that didn't help too. They had had enough of us. That fair was a real happening place, apparently. <laughs> A lot, a lot of big pivotal moments occurred there. Oh, okay. Well, uh, the next question: Your first trip to the emergency room. The first one I can remember. Uh, I don't know how old I was, probably too old, but I uh, worked at a pizza shop at the time. It was probably like 19 or something, 18. But I worked at a pizza shop, and this, and I don't know if anyone's ever worked at a pizza shop, like a local one. I'm not talking like Domino's, and, and for all I know, it could be that way there too, but like, it's like a drug haven, okay? Everybody's on fucking drugs there. <laughs> and so that was a period of my life. I had about a six-month period when I was younger. I did a lot of fucking drugs. And it was during that period, and, you know, I was mostly doing know nothing too hardcore or anything but that was the night uh i decided to do cocaine and my very first time doing it and i blew several lines very thick lines uh trying to act like a big shot ended up mopping the fucking floor at the whole goddamn restaurant and like i kept telling everybody i don't feel anything i don't like you were like the tasmanian devil right now you just fucking mopped that whole goddamn restaurant like a minute i'm like really and like yeah you're going like a maniac and I didn't think I was feeling anything. And then I ended up going home and I was still living with my parents at the time. And I was like, my heart was racing for hours. and I just could not calm down. And then I ended up like feeling like I was going to drop dead. And I basically, I went into my parents' room. It was in the middle of the fucking night and basically just said goodbye. Cause I thought I was literally about to have a heart attack. Cause this had been going on for hours and sweating. And I like passed out on the floor and, they brought me to the hospital and everything, and of course the, the doctor saying, "Did you do anything?" No, you know, and he's like, "I know you did something with you your blood test. I just want to hear you. I, I need to be honest." So I told him, and uh, 
It ended up that it, I was fine. I had a massive panic attack that I had never had one before. Wow. Um, and that kind of started a problem for me. I, I continued to have panic attacks for years after that. Oh. And I, I still have them today, but they're a little bit more, you know, controlled at this point. I don't have them quite as often. But, uh, but yeah, that was the first time I remember being, like, brought in an ambulance and everything. That's scary. Yeah, my, my first trip to the emergency room, uh, I got bit by a dog. And the dog was loose. There was this guy that lived in a trailer in the alleyway of my neighborhood. And he had this dog that would always just be chained up. And he just wouldn't feed it and all that. It was like a part chow Rottweiler. And the thing just started latching onto my back. Like I feel its teeth sinking (laughs) into my back. I'm this four-year-old little kid trying to run. Four years old? Yeah, I was four. And my I I heard my shirt tearing. But at the time, like, all the adrenaline, it felt like scratches on my back. But then I see photos of it from uh, my mom finally found me and stuff and took photos of my back. And it was just, like, brutal. I have scars all over my back. But I remember going into the emergency room. A buddy of mine was with me. He got bit on the neck. And I remember seeing him. And he was just, like, laying his head down all, like, headache or whatever. But, yeah, that was crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff in the whole. That's pretty room. terrifying as a four-year-old. Holy shit, that's really bad. Yeah, it was. It was pretty fucked. Um, well, hold on. Before we move on, I just want to make this clear too. That straightened me out. I never really. I don't think I did anything ever again after that night. There's that episode of King of the Hill where Bobby gets caught smoking cigarettes, and Hank gives him pack after pack, and he's gonna make him finish all the cigarettes, and it makes him never <laughs> want to try it again. Yeah, I wish that worked with me. <laughs> That's what got me hooked. No, but that straightened me out. And I, 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 like I said, it was about it. You know, when you, you, know, you do stupid things, and I, I was just experimenting things. I never really, I'm not a druggy kind of guy. It's just growing up. Like you got to do this stupid stuff. You look back and cringe about. Yeah. To get yeah. to where you are now, it's like, yeah, I did cringy things, but I, I'm happy I did those cringy things because it made me who I am today. So you got to look at it that way. Yeah, it made me a guy who wishes he could do drugs. <laughs> But I'm I'm officially too scared to do that shit anymore, so that worked. Uh, the next question, the first movie you remember seeing in a theater? The one I immediately think of is uh, my sister was a few years older than me, and she had a birthday party. And we were all going to go to the movie theater, and you know, my, my mom and my aunt were going to bring me, obviously, because I was really young. I mean, I think it was probably four or five at the time. They were going to see Big with Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. Classic. Well, I must have been a little older. I, what year did... Uh, do you remember what year that movie came out? Anyway, I was young. But but anyway, I wanted to see Beetlejuice because I saw the commercial. And I just... Even as a young kid, I loved that kind of shit. And I was just like really bummed out. And I I kept begging if we could go see Beetlejuice instead. I'm like, no, it's you know it's for your sister, so we got to do this. So I was just really miserable the whole day. I was, you know, a little... not You know, just not in a good mood because I we weren't seeing the movie I wanted to see. So... Yeah, I do remember seeing Big, but I just remember that so much because I just wish the whole time I was watching Beetlejuice. And by the way, Big was a great movie. Yeah, both of them were great. There was so many great movies that came out in the '80s. That was 1988, by the way. Big came out. Oh, okay, so I was I was a little older. I was probably like seven, but um, I, I do remember we used to go to the drive, whatever the drive-in, whatever the hell they call it. Um, we used to do that a lot, and I think I remember like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and um, for some reason that Big and Beetlejuice thing is the first real memory I have, but. How about you? Uh, Mine was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think I was like four or five when that came out. 
the first. Well, that's a good first, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, after then, I think Home Alone was next, if I remember. Nice, yeah. and we know that that's a real treasure for you. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so it was yeah, <laughs> good times. I well, you're the you're the only person I've ever known that likes the second one better than the first. Really? Oh. Yeah, and I I love the second one, but I mean I I still think the first one's superior. But yeah, you actually do like Home Alone too better, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, okay, so moving on, your first album ever that you bought. I remember the first CD I ever bought because I really thought it was a big shot at that point because I was always late to everything. Uh, it was Mad Season, which uh, I don't know if you remember that band, um, but it was uh, Lane Staley from Alice in Chains and um, mm. a few other guys, I think, uh, from a guy from Pearl Jam and a guy from Screaming Trees or whatever. Um, the first cassette, though, I ever bought, I believe, was Stone Temple Pilots' uh, purple okay yeah i remember the first few it was stone temple pilots purple live throwing copper which was my favorite album ever for years i mean i was obsessed with live i used to wear that shirt school all the time and um crash test dummies uh god shuffled his feet oh Uh, i'm so glad you brought up that album i fucking love that album oh god that's one of my favorite albums that's a desert island album for me Mm -hmm. i remember my dad he bought that from a sam goody and my dad had this like I, I attribute a lot of my like musical tastes and all that from my dad. He he just bought CDs left and right, like White Zombie and you know all the good shit. No, really? Yeah, yeah. My dad's a rocker, you know. Metallica. He had all the Metallicas, all that. But he bought Crash Test Dummies. Uh, God shuffled his feet, and so I would just go through his collection. I pulled that one out on a whim. I was like, oh yeah, it has that song from uh, Dumb and Dumber on it, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> I just hit track one. I listened to that whole, fu- every fucking song on that album is um, uh, great. It's you know? so good, man. I, I, you know, there's such an underrated band and I don't know if you still follow them, but their material kind of got weird through the years, but uh, mm. but th- that's just a masterpiece. I mean, I still, I listen to that a lot. I, I it's They were such a good band. They were so much more than that, you know, song. But, uh, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. One of the Allison Chains albums, A Jar of Flies, I think. You know, those were the, the. I definitely remember my first few cassettes. I used to like put them on the floor and stare at them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> did you do shit like that? Oh yeah, I remember. I had five CDs when I was like ten years old, and I put them out and be like, oh, which one will be the s- soundtrack for today? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So. And I used to, I had one of those. Um, they used to make those posters, like the slots that you could put like DVDs or like CDs in. You can hang it up like a poster. I used to have that shit. And I was just, oh, I would yeah. just stare at all my albums. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. My first CD I got was 311, uh, the blue album that had uh, oh, yeah. all mixed up, all that shit on it. But uh, yeah. So uh, moving on, the first song you wrote and recorded ever. I'm sure you've answered this in your own podcast but just know, to clarify actually. now are we talking like a home recording or like going into like an actual studio like no, just just home recording which you did on a you know oh jesus well i mean just like on a, on a tape like recorder like we in toilet talk we uh we recorded a song a slew of songs but i think it may have been this song called whack thy weasel and i, I actually did talk about that podcast but it was basically a song about you know just uh, several innuendos about jerking off and uh and then connecting it to some kind of uh, employment, you know, like whack thy weasel, spank thy monkey, self-employ yourself as a plumber. You know, it was just several lines like that. It was a horrible song. We were a horrible, horrible fucking band. But, you know, with, that was the first band I was ever in, and we would just record ourselves playing. I mean, who knows it would lead to all this, but, you know. Yeah. 
I'd like to say we changed a whole lot, but never, it never really matured that much from that. I just think I got better at writing the lyrics, but the same same kind of content. And you're staying true to your roots. That's a, that's a very admirable right, right. Thing. See, I was always for, I was I was a real one. <laughs> okay, uh, what was the first job that you got an actual paycheck from? That would be KB Toys. I don't know oh. if you remember them. Oh, you remember KB? Yeah. Oh yeah, KB was great. Yeah, I worked. That was my dream job. Uh, when I turned sixteen, I couldn't wait to go down there, and I got the job, and I just loved it. I really loved that fucking job. Same man. I worked at Toys R Us, and it was just, yeah, it was great. Was that the first one? That wasn't my first job. No, my first job was um, that I got a paycheck from. Now, back in the day, I was a child model. Like, I actually... Excuse me? I was a child model. Like, I was... Is, a, this, is this the shtick thing again, or is this for real? No, this is for real. You were a child model? <laughs> yeah, for like... What? Okay, No so, wonder you're so fucked up. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> No, okay, so I'll give you the story of how this happened. My mom will correct me if she heard this, but how this happened was, I don't know if you remember in the malls, there would be some kiosks like in the back, to, like, uh, oh, try out your child for modeling or whatever, and it could be a star and take photos or whatever. There was like a, <laughs> you know, it was like an agency, a talent, like, scouting place or whatever. Anyways, they saw some potential in me. I don't know what the fuck it was, but... I wound up like, yeah, getting uh, represented through this talent agency and I would go into these tryouts for like commercials and shit. Like there was one I remember going in for that was for like a car dealership and the commercial would be like two kids and one kid would be like the young car dealer back in the day. Oh, he's always been dealing cars ever since he was a kid. And here oh he is God. here he is dealing uh, Hot Wheels to another kid and this shit. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I didn't get that part, sadly. But uh, <laughs> my big break was that I got hired to uh, do hand modeling for this toy commercial for a toy called War Planets from Trendmasters. And Are you serious? The t yeah, uh, the toy company was based in St. Louis. They're no longer around, but uh, yeah, during the Trendmasters. Trendmasters, yeah. Yeah, I remember that company. They're not around anymore. No, no, yeah, they're not. I think they died out in the late or early two thousands. Yeah, I had some uh, Mars Attacks uh, toys from them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I think I had one or two from there. But yeah, so I for three days of work going there. And moving my hands with toys in front of a camera, I wound up getting like 1200 bucks. Damn. 1997, I'm like 11 years old. You know, I was like, fuck, it was so cool. But I never saw any of that money. I think I got 100 bucks out of it, but I don't know where, I don't know where the rest of the money went. Really? Oh, that's fucked up, man. You did all the work. <laughs> so were you molested? The one thing that was weird about it was before I got hired for the job, I would be led into this office with just me and this one guy. And mm -hmm. That's how it usually happens, yep. <laughs> no, and uh, the planet Bone is the planet oh, I had Jesus. to hold I mean, on to. <laughs> walked right into a fucking trap. You're lucky you walked out of that situation untouched, <laughs> unscathed. <laughs> the planet Bone has these three tentacles on it. And so yeah, he, sure he, he's, he's set up. 
<laughs> he set up these three little figurines and he was like, let me see how you uh, can swoop down and knock out these figures with the uh, tentacles on this planet. So I did that, knocked them all down, and that's how I got the gig. But uh, <laughs> yeah, very talented hand-eye coordination, 100%. Wow. Well, I'm sorry you didn't pursue that as a career. I mean, maybe that way, you know, you might have missed an opportunity there. There was a missed opportunity. I could have played Spanky in the Little Rascals movie that came out in the 90s, but... What? Yeah. There was... Yeah, I could have played Spanky, but I... uh, There was something... The time window was just like a month off or whatever. Didn't fit into your schedule? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, darn it. (laughs) Well, you know what's funny, though? That's just all kind of connected here. I know, you know, going back to the previous question, and this was not planned, but... Here I am talking about, you know, Spank Thy Monkey, and now you were telling me you almost got the role of Spanky. You see how, <laughs> see how everybody's connected, though? See? <laughs> that is all crazy. All this Oprah Winfrey shit. Yeah, yeah. The universe is all one. So is, this, is, this a super, is this like a surprise Super Soul Sunday episode? <laughs> Are you with the Oprah Winfrey Netflix? What, what the fuck's called OWN? Or yeah, yeah, you're on the O channel. I'm sorry to tell oh you Oh, my this. Lord. Oh, Jesus. This is my big break. I told you. You never know, man. You just got to keep doing your thing. <laughs> what was your first car? My first car was called Smokey the Shitbox, and it was a, uh, a hand-me-down for my sister. It was a... Uh, Honda something. It was uh, it was a shit box. So at the point they handed down to me, it was on its way out, which is why I just was given it. And uh, it was uh, it had black smoke pouring out of the back. Yeah, it quickly became known around school and everything as Smokey the shit box. And uh, at that point, it was on its last leg, and that's what I drove around for a couple of years. Hell yeah, right on, like a real yeah. man. Like a real man. And uh, there was a bunch of toy. I remember that it was known because there was a bunch of toys in the back. You can barely see out of the back window. Um, yeah, the black smoke, um, and that you know, and that started a trend with me. I had several cars and with uh, you know problems, so they all had names. I had a, uh, I had Smokey the Shipbox. I had um, Turbo the uh, the Ass Kicker uh, because that one had like a uh, turbo boost thing or something. The car was a piece of shit, but like everybody's gonna kick it. I forget it was some weird ass car, but you would like put it in some kind of gear and it would go like shoot up real quick. So we used to, I remember showing somebody at once, and I went flying up on a curb and knocked over. It's fucking mailbox. Couldn't even drive the thing. Uh, what else did I have? I had a the suicide machine. Uh, that thing used to just shut down in the middle of the fucking road, like no warning. It would just it would just stop, and he would be. Yeah, like, I can't tell you. It almost got killed. So that was the suicide machine. You just never knew if you were gonna make it anywhere in that damn thing. And then the fourth car I had at that point, we just stopped getting creative. We just called it Death Four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Um, my first. Did you have a shitbox or? Yeah, my first Lamborghini was your first. Oh, yeah. well, you were a child model, so yeah, I don't exactly. Know I had all this money, you know. No, I had a '77 Caprice Classic. So by the time I had it, Damn. it was like fucking twenty something years old. It's like a pimp ride, yeah. Oh, it was a boat. It was a fucking boat, and uh, you getting those bitches or what? Oh, I did actually. I got. Did you? I got quite a bunch of ass in the back seat of that thing. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bunch of ass and Smokey the Shipbox too. They were just dudes. A lot of stanky ass on that thing, yeah, but not not in a good way. Yeah. Oh man. Was... I don't think I did any sexual activity in any fucking car I ever owned. Maybe one. No, you can't. There's still hope. There's still hope. Yeah, midlife crisis. You know, still got that whole opportunity. You get to redo everything. What was your first celebrity crush? 
good. That's a good one. You're a real thinking man. I mean, you got me thinking about things that I just not really sure I'm comfortable thinking about. But um, first celebrity crush. Jesus, man, that's a really hard question. I don't know. Here, you go first while I think. Um, I don't know her name, but she was the mom from the Cosby show. Wow, really? Really? The mom? My mom and I would watch the Cosby show back in the day when I was a kid. You were in love with the with Mrs. Huxtable? Yeah. That's insane. I've never heard anybody say that. That's really weird. That's the last thing I would have I, I don't honestly remember, dude. Like, see, I mean, I know there was more before this, but I have a real like good memory of um Cheryl Crow. I thought she was hot as hell. I, I don't I really don't know. I mean I remember the whole Jenny McCarthy thing when I was Oh like, yeah. There I could tell you another crush I had, maybe jar your memory. I remember when sure. Uh, Batman and Robin came out. I had the hugest crush on Alicia Silverstone because she played. You know, Black. I never got that, dude. I never got that one. You never even, did. Even when I was, no, I never did. I could never figure that one out, and I still can't really figure it out. Hmm. I mean, I remember watching a lot of these movies and thinking, like Kim Basinger was really hot, you know, in the first Batman. And um, how about the how about Ninja Turtles? Okay, I know you said that was the first movie. How about the April? Man, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm not either. The April in the second movie. I like yeah. it. Yeah. She, it was she, a different yeah. actress in the second one, but I'm not saying you you know, they have to cast somebody that they're, they're hot or something, but I just I just thought that, you know, in the cartoon, I mean, she was like had her tits popping out and everything. It's like I think that's the that I think that's what they were going for, you know. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm not saying that they are. So uh I mean you know who was wicked hot fucking uh and Boy Meets World? Remember that show? I never watched that show. Oh, really? You don't remember Topanga? I remember there's so many guys that I know now they talk about that was my first crush, but I never watched it. So Really? Yeah. I had a big thing for um Kathy Ireland. She had a yeah. line of like clothes at Walmart or something, didn't she? Yeah, oh you know what? That may have been the first yeah, that's I do have a memory of being a little obsessed with her. Not like scary obsessed. I should I don't think I should say obsessed, but I mean just you know, that was the first one that really got in my head, I think. Oh, I could tell you also watching Wayne's World. Oh, really? Asia Carrera, I think that was. Yeah, I see. I didn't get that one either. Really? Huh. I didn't get that one. No. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I liked her, Mrs. Huxtable. Um, <laughs> it's the weirdest shit I've ever heard, man. I'm sorry, I can't get over. It. That's really, really weird. I mean, she was just such a mom, like very, you know, this plain Jane mom, and that's fine. But I mean, it's just not not what I think of as like a crush. <laughs> so I mean, she was a little overly seductive in a role, though. You know, she'd always be like, mm, yeah, that's weird. I got to tell everybody about that. That's, that's, I never heard that. <laughs> Go right ahead, bud. I don't care. Like, this fucking weirdo, man. I was we'll Get down to the last question here. No, well said. First time you got pulled over by the cops. We didn't get pulled over, but I remember one time we used to, like, film uh, skits. We were, like, in high school, like, um... You know, you probably did stuff like this too, but we used to film mm -hmm. little skits, you know, drive around and, and come up with these scenarios and stuff. By the way, I am desperate. I have it on video cassette, and I'm really considering. One of these skits was pretty goddamn funny, and it was, you know, everybody around school knew about it and everything. I would love to put that, put that up on YouTube. But, uh, but anyway, we went to this playground, and we were filming some wild-ass skit there. You know? <laughs> it was the guy was addicted. One of the kids, it was like an intervention thing, like, confronting the guy because he was addicted to pepsi you know so we had all these pepsi cans and we kept finding all these pepsi cans that you know, he was telling us he wasn't drinking anymore and we kept finding it you know we're searching the car and everything and we were like yelling at the guy like it was this big 
confrontation, this big dramatic thing, you got a problem, you know, and we're screaming. And I guess one of the people that lived nearby the school, they called and said there was some horrible commotion going on, you know, like a fight or something. You know, so the cops came and they were like, you know, this was a small town, you know, these guys got nothing to do, you know, they're looking for anything, you know, of excitement, you know. So the cop was like a real little man syndrome kind of thing, you know, like if you know, like the Napoleon complex or whatever, you know, this little cop was like real fired up, real angry. He came with the dog and everything. We're like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> get down. You know, he's screaming. We're like, what the fuck? You know? And he's like, what the hell's going on? You know? And we're like, why? He's like, what are you guys on? You know, we're like, nothing. And we're like, what are you doing here? And we're like, we're filming, you know, he's like, filming what, you know, going crazy. He's like, People calling saying you're drinking and this and that. And we're like, no. And they're like, yeah, they heard you talking about it. You know, I'm like, no, it's a skit. You know, and we're telling we were talking about Pepsi. <laughs> and he's like, he's like searching the car, like thinking that we have like open containers of alcohol and shit. He, and we had all this stuff for the skit, you know, all these empty cans. So it was embarrassing as hell because guys going through, there's this tons of cans of soda in the car. And he's just like checking out everything. And then at one point I said something to him. And I like something kind of with a little bit of an attitude at that point. Cause I was just tired of the way the guy was treating us. And he like, he like got in my face. I'm like a kid, you know, I'm in high school and he'd get in my face. He's you want to go to jail, boy? Huh? You're a fucking tough guy. You think you're fucking tough. And I'm like, Oh my God, man. he's got this dog and everything. I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that was my first memory of the cops. So I'm not that, you know, fond of them. Well, that's fucking horrible, man. Yeah, it was horrible. He ruined a good fucking skit. Ugh. You didn't get that on tape, did you? Well, well, I don't know what happened to that one. We got there was one we did about um, the guy uh, we were dri- was driving with a friend of mine, um, and and he was accusing me. No, I, I confronted him about eating my my peanuts that I had, and uh, and he was lying, you know. And I was telling him that, you know, just just calling him out that I had this jar of peanuts, and I went to bed, and then I woke up, and the thing's basically empty, and I knew it was him. And it was this huge argument about this jar of peanuts, and. It was actually really, that was the best one we ever did. Like, you'd have to steal. <laughs> I, I, that's the one I do. I do have that on, uh, on a tape. If I could, if I could get it, you know, to, if I could upload it or something, I might do that. Cause I, I, I really, that, we only had a few of them that I still have, but uh, pretty funny. You know, yeah. uh, it's one of the, it was one of those things that if probably everybody else will just be like, <laughs> but I thought it was funny. So what was your first run in with the police? Okay. So I was driving. I lived in one town doing radio, and my hometown was about about an hour and a half drive, and I hated working in radio. So any chance I got to leave and go back home to see my friends, I would do that. And this was like Friday night. I just got off my shift at midnight, and I'm driving, just packed the shit box up, and I'm driving back home for the weekend because I had that weekend off. And I'm driving. This is when I, I didn't know the law of... You can't just keep driving in the left lane. So, but I was, but there was nobody else on the fucking road. It was dead at night in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. And I'm sitting there driving in the left lane. And all of a sudden, whoop, lights come up behind me, pull over. Oh, and I was wanting to, I was going to meet my girlfriend too. So this, this will come into play. I was going to meet my girlfriend right when I got back home. And so he gets out. And he tells me to step out of the car and put my hands on the hood or the the trunk. So he patted me down, literally patted me down, 
felt in my pockets, told me to pull out things in my pockets. So I emptied my pockets. So what I had on me, I pulled out my wallet. I had a pocket knife, mm-hmm. like any man should have. Oh, boy. And a condom. Yep. Because I was going to meet my girlfriend. Oh, real, you're a real man, yeah. <laughs> so, what else do you have in there? A little fucking bottle of alcohol, too? And, uh, yeah. Brute fucking cologne. Fucking off-brand fucking CK1 from Walmart. <laughs> but, yeah, so the cop pats me down, and he's like, you don't have anything? You ain't on? You taking any drugs or drink? And... I'm like, no, no, no. So he has me sit in the car, in, in his cop car. So I sit in the passenger seat of this cop car, and he starts reading back my license plate. Uh, Alpha, seven, dog, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, what the fuck did I do? And then he's like, you were driving in the left lane. I was like, yeah. Is that a problem? Apparently. You should only drive in the left lane if you're passing. I'm like, oh, Okay. I must have skipped that part doing the driver's ed thing, but which is true. I, I was in the wrong, but I didn't think it was that big of a fucking deal to yeah. <laughs> driving down an empty ass road. But yeah, he went through all that dramatic shit just for that. And I was just like, all yeah, right, it's just a power trip path the time. You know, they, just, they, they feel like the man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they must've just seen me driving in that old pimp car and thought, you know, Oh, I got, I got something here. Well, when they saw that pocket knife in the fucking condom, they must have thank you. Oh boy, we got ourselves a serial killer. <laughs> we got ourselves a Jeffrey Dahmer here. <laughs> Open that trunk, boy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm sorry you uh, had that experience, but um, I do feel uh, enlightened now. I feel like I, I know you more as a human being. Well, um, same. I, you know, I, I appreciate your your honesty and uh, your sensitivity. Well, yeah, I am a very sensitive person. You know, I, I like to light a no. candle. I like to have a little oh. Zen garden with the sand and the little rake and go around the rock, you know. Um, very nice. I listen That's to, sweet. listen to Moby. Lots of Moby. Hey, man, you know, don't be knocking Moby. I have a real connection with that guy now. <laughs> no, I do. I apparently, do really? the, the, Yes, I do. We, uh, the two of us are apparently we um, wimpy cucks. <laughs> yes, and I, no, I'm honored. I, I was thrown into a category with him by a fan, in quotes, uh, recently. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was going to save this for my podcast, but I'll tell you, I'm going to give you an exclusive. No shit. Yeah, so let me just put something out there. Um, this is this is a, uh, a, a real, it, it's not disappointing, but, it, you know, it's it's eye-opening, you know, that how people can be with, especially people that you think are... Uh, understand you or whatever but uh so we put out the album art early you know when when that when the album went up for pre-order we we showed the album cover mm-hmm. and uh there it's a parody of the looney tunes characters the ones that were kind of under scrutiny at one point or another about you know with this cancel culture oh yeah you know how they wanted to to pull certain characters because they were offensive for this reason or that so that's that's what the cover was all about and um mm. The Elmer Fudd was like, a, was you know, because they wanted to pull his guns and everything. And so we made him into like your typical like Second Amendment, you know, Trumper kind of, fucking, you know, with the right. Make America Great Again hat and everything. You know, as the you know, it's it's just part of the art. It's part of the parody of it. Yeah, it's it's a joke, pretty much. Yeah, it's a joke. It's not a political fucking statement. You know, it's just a, a character that that you know to represent that you know, that part of the cancellation that they wanted for whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, so we put that's on there 
And we've now, I've had two people that have at least been vocal about it now. We had our second person the other day. But the first guy, apparently that really pissed him off because, you know, he hasn't even heard the music yet or anything. And so he, he posted something in response, like in the comments, like, oh, it's great to see that, you know, this, this would have been uh, relevant, you know, six years ago. It's, you guys are talking about the same tired thing. It's, it's old news or something. And I'm like, what? Hmm? You know, I'm like, dude, I, I'm pretty sure that the, the people are still being canceled left and right for every little thing they do. That did not go away, you know? So I'm thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? And then, you know, so we were pissed off about it. So I, like, clicked on the guy's picture, and I'm like, who is this fucking asshole, you know? Because you're always, like, shocked. It's like, well, you're here because you liked the band. Like, it's not like some random asshole that found his way there. Right. So you're like, who is this fuck, you know? So I, I click on his picture, and he, he posted, like, a big thing about it, like, on his own page that he obviously didn't think I'd see, uh-huh. you know? And he's like... You know, one of my favorite bands, you know, they're going on about how much he loves the band and this and that. But he's like, I always knew the singer was a was a wimpy cuck with Moby-like socio-political views, but he made good music. And it's sad to see that they're, you know, doing this and that, like falling into this, whatever he was saying. But I'm like, in a, in a nice way, I basically told him, hey, dipshit. That, you know, we're not making a political statement. We're actually, I'm assuming you're a Trump guy and it's actually more in line with probably with what you believe than what you're assuming it is, Yeah. you know? And then he kind of like tried to backtrack and he said that, oh, I only posted that as a joke. And then he, then he went on again about Moby, you know, like ripping the guy to shreds. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> leave poor Moby alone, man. What the <laughs> fuck? Now I feel some kind of kinship with this guy. I'm like, what is so irritating about Moby that he believes in animal rights? That makes him an awful person. That he he's a thoughtful human being. You don't have to agree with his. You know, he believes in like not torturing animals. Like that's a good thing. That makes him a good person. So fuck anybody has a problem with Moby. If Moby, if you ever hear this, I love you, man. We're bald brothers, man. We are. We got so much in common. You know, we could shave each other's heads one day. I had a Moby CD back in the day as a kid, and I like some of the songs on it, but I don't dislike Moby. I just listen to his music, not really care about whatever his stance is on whatever. After a while, I'm like, man, this stuff is kind of wimpy. I want to listen to heavier stuff. So that's that's my yeah. views on wimpy or Moby. But yeah, that's not what he was referring to. But yeah, the. I don't know. I just, I, you know, I was never really a Moby fan, you know. I mean, I, not that I had anything against him, but I never really listened to his music. But now I just feel some kind of connection with the guy, you know. So uh, I think anytime someone is advocating for any anybody's rights or anybody, you know, the mistreatment against people, I mean, that's not a bad thing. Even if it doesn't, you know, if it's not close to your heart or if you don't even agree, I mean, that's not a malicious intent, you know. That's, that's somebody acting out of their heart i mean so to be mad at somebody about that it's like what kind of piece of shit are you well it's just like you're spinning your tires in the mud it's like uh, worry about something else that actually is more important i guess instead of worrying about someone else doing something about something like yeah meanwhile you're doing nothing but talking shit you know it's like what are you doing you know what do you believe in anything so I don't know. That asshole listens. It's like, you know, you say you're a big fan of everything, but that was probably, out of all the years I've been doing this, it was probably one of the more rotten things that anybody's ever said. You know, I've been lucky that, you know, you get these internet trolls. I haven't had too many, but I've seen some pretty, you know, rotten comments through the years on YouTube videos and stuff, from, especially, you know, maybe even when they're posting on Ventana, like comparing, you know, 
my time in the band or whatever. I've seen some stuff that certainly hurt my feelings, you know. But this was one of the more, uh, you know, rotten things I've seen. So it's never good to see that. So yeah, it's... thank thank that guy. That was I really appreciate that. You know, it was really uh, mm-hmm. really really nice of you. Ain't it weird the perceptions that people have of you? just through your music but and i guess it is kind of like oh we kind of do it to ourselves putting whatever we do out there but and so whatever people do consume they do develop this kind of perception of who they think you are and it, it kind of shocks you when uh you hear it and it's totally false of you know anything that you are it's kind of crazy yeah it is crazy i mean i'm a pretty I'm a pretty normal guy. I mean, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I have thick skin too. I mean, I don't get that offended. And I mean, this guy had his reasons for doing it. I mean, I'm not holding a grudge. And it wasn't that personal to me. I mean, it was, just, it was just obviously a real, you know, insulting thing to say about me. So of course I'm a human being. I mean, nobody ever likes to see that about yourself. I don't really give a shit that much. I don't give a fuck if you like it or not. You know, you know, we, I say some pretty ballsy things in the lyrics and stuff. I mean, obviously I'm open to scrutiny, but it still doesn't mean you like to see that, but, uh, but you know, I'm the kind of guy, I mean, I am pretty low key and I'm not like fucking Marilyn Manson. I mean, I think people, especially in the beginning, like they thought I would be like that. And then they meet me like, the fuck. Yeah. But believe me, like Marilyn Manson though, is a fucking, he's a mess. You know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to keep my shit together here, but believe me, I'm the kind of guy though. I'm pretty nice. I'm pretty laid back, but then there's other moments where, you know, if you piss me off enough or if you keep going, I'm going to turn into a fucking maniac. But no, it's it is weird how uh, people perceive you, you know, as your act or whatever you do with your art compared to who you are as a person. Everybody has this this expectation of who they think you are. And it, it, it they kind of feel maybe broken hearted when they you don't, you know, line up exactly with who they think you are in their head. And it's it is what it is. No, I mean, I, I'm. I don't really connect with people that well. You know what I mean? Like, I get along with people, and I, I like to joke around. I think I have a pretty good sense of humor. I laugh a lot with people. but You do. You do, yeah. But I don't I don't typically feel that close to people, though. I don't, I don't have many people that I get close to, and I don't really feel much connection with human beings. I mean, that's for real. You know, I mean, the, the lyrics that I write, I mean, that's not just me trying to be like, what can I say to sound tough and sound scary and I've got problems? It's like, no, I'm legitimately writing the stuff that I like, you know, the kind of person I am, but it doesn't mean I'm a, I hate people. But I just don't really have much in common with most people I meet. I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I don't really connect with people. I grew up uh, going to school. It was very hard to make friends. The few friends I did have were kind of assholes to me. So uh, it made me no. kind of want to stay away from people. It was almost if you were to... Uh, join or become some kind of uh, a group of friends you had to become a hive mind and anything that you didn't really go with what they said they kind of you know scrutinized you or outcasted you so i always kind of felt that way but like most of the dudes that were in auto mechanic shop in high school they were just regular cool fucking dudes you could just joke with and that's that's who i got along with more than anybody yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I didn't even, you know, the kids that listened to like the heavier music stuff and the, you know, industrial stuff and everything when I was growing up, I mean, even a lot of them I didn't really connect with because they, they were, uh, most of them it was an act, you know, they were going out of their way to be weird and stuff. You know, it's like, can you just fucking talk to me, man? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, 
<laughs> I don't need you trying to put put a curse on me. It's like just fucking. Did you watch the goddamn movie I asked you to watch? Can we talk about that? <laughs> you know, like I don't need to know how dark your life is. Yeah, whatever, dude. You're, you're fucking dark. Yeah, my parents got divorced. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. So did fucking sixty percent of society. Yeah. Everybody else. Somehow we're getting by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somehow or- we just keep on going. You know, you got to get the fucking work at some point, kid. <laughs> So, you know, but I certainly didn't, I certainly didn't connect with like the jocks and all them either. I mean, I, I always sat in this weird place where I was just like, I'm just kind of fucked here. I don't, I don't you're, you're like in social purgatory. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, people like us, we turn to music because it's a, it's a, it's a great way to just kind of get your, your feelings out, I guess, without having to talk to anybody really specifically, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but, but in turn, you end up talking to a lot of people, which is really cool. I spent so many like time as a teenager working and stuff like I would in my head, I would just be writing songs and be like, that would be the thing that bring me joy. Not going to meet a bunch of people on a Friday night. It was just like, oh, that's a cool idea. You know, it's like that. That's how I operated growing up. And it was a lot of time in my room alone, (laughs) dubbing tape decks with this or that. And uh, yeah, it's cool, man. That's really cool. And I think you've, uh, You've done several things besides, you know, not just music, but I mean, just all the entertainment you do with your podcast and everything. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you said you, you were briefly in radio and everything, but, you know, it mm-hmm. seems like it's always kind of been a part of uh, of what you enjoy doing. So it's it's really cool to see you. Uh, I mean, you pump out episodes of this thing, so it's it's really cool to, uh, I think you found something you really, really connect with, you know, that's all I, that's all I can hope for. It's some kind of out, you know, just something to get you through your life and have some kind of pleasure. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I, I kind of just see this as something to keep me busy more than anything. You know, it's like, um, it's, ex- it's exciting. It's the one, it's the few things I think about that actually like get that ball of energy in like your stomach or whatever that makes you feel like, oh, that is exciting. I'm ready to like dive into the history of, uh, Pepsi and learn everything about it and then present it to the people. So it's like, it, it feels good going through all this work and then, presenting it to people and other people like learn things along the way. So I, I kind of feel like that, how you feel with, um, operation Satan where, you know, it's more than just me or what I think it's this and people are, yeah, you're kind of giving something to the world. Yeah. Like yeah. that's kind of cool. Like that's something that, you know, takes time and a lot of people would be interested to hear like the history or something like that, but like they're not going to devote themselves to do that. So the fact that you kind of, took on that role and, 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 you know, and people will enjoy that. And it makes you feel good. It's like, Hey, I gave something to people that like, you know, is appreciated and will add something to this whole collection of, you know, media that's just floating around there. It's cool. It's a cool feeling. Yeah. But, you know, I want to say this too, to people that are listening, um, you know, because I think like, especially it gets worse and worse with our cultures, but with the reality, you know, shows and, and uh-huh. what you said about TikTok and everything, like there's this constant pressure that if you don't have your, at this point, it's 15 seconds now of fame. And I, I've felt that way, too, throughout my life. You almost feel like you don't mean anything. You didn't exist. And I think part of the appeal, and that's going back to what I said about playing live, what I particularly love about making albums is I feel like there's something of me. You know, no matter how small, you know, there's something out there that after I'm gone, I will still be here. There's something I gave to the world that will probably always exist. It will always be somewhere. It will be floating around forever. And you know what I mean? And you feel like you meant something that I was here. I left my mark, you know, 
And Mm -hmm. I think there's a pressure though of people like if you don't get that 15 seconds of fame and Lord knows I haven't fucking had it either, you know? So I'm not talking like, yo, you can't all be like me. No, I'm not saying that. I've had that feeling throughout my life too, that like, oh God, I wish something would, I wish we'd get in a movie or, or something, just something to like cement us as like a name out there. Of course, I would love that. And I think we all kind of have that feeling in the culture we're living in mm-hmm. that like, you know, you know, like you, you walk in the grocery store and there's a people magazine, 10 sexiest guys in the world. So, oh, really? You've met every guy out there. <laughs> the, the, this, uh, you've searched the world. It's like these fucking assholes, the same 10 clowns you see all over everything. Oh, the sexiest man alive. <laughs> really? Sure. Are you sure about that? <laughs> I didn't get a call for that. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, but it's just, you see this shit constantly and it's like, it makes you feel like, so, well, there's like a handful of people during my lifetime that only matter that like hundred years from now, the rest of us were just a bunch of fucking slugs that were just, you know, <laughs> just oozing down the backs of all these uh, among us that were the sexiest men alive and all this shit, you know, and you feel like you were nothing. But like yeah. what we're talking about, I want people to know that it doesn't even, it doesn't have to be music. doesn't have to be even art. This whatever the fuck it is that makes you feel alive, you know, whatever it is, it could be just collecting something. Just it's important though. Cause I think we have a real problem with depression and just, you know, these, these feelings, like I was saying, of just not mattering. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it, it only matters if it matters to you. There is no point to life at all, except whatever the hell point you give it. There's never going to be a point to life. That, that struggle that we all just, you know, everybody would love to know what's this all about. There is nothing. The only point is whatever point you determine for yourself. So don't give into the pressures and just enjoy your life. Find whatever the hell it is could be playing chess with your fucking grandfather whatever it is that gives you joy just stop worrying about what other people think stop worrying about you know how much money you have and i have to take my own advice just try to enjoy your fucking life because this world will make you feel so goddamn guilty about everything you're doing that you're you know every movie has a parody of every type of guy you know the gamer or the nerd that collects toys or the dumb jock you know, they, they constantly go out of their way to make you feel shitty about who you are. Mm-hmm. Those fucking people are the empty people because they, they're so caught up in making other people feel like shit. They're obviously not that invested in their own fucking life. So just remember that. Find your thing, do your thing, and whatever comes of it, it doesn't matter as long as you're fucking happy. That's my, that's my Oprah moment. Well, there you go. I feel like we kind of grow up thinking that if we do need to be famous to feel like we're worth anything or we're valid in some kind of way. And you just need to find that one thing that like makes you feel happy or you feel any kind of like joy and realize that, Hey, some people may have the upper hand and that's their life, but this is your life. You need to start looking at your life and how you're living and just do the best you can at your level Regardless if you're up there. Yeah, and don't feel bad about it. And don't feel bad about it. Or at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Don't beat yourself up. The world beats you up enough. The last thing you need to do is beat yourself up. You know, all the work that I do, like I I put out the documentary of the history of McDonald's. Uh, It's a crazy story. It's a fun story. And uh, I enjoy putting it together. I don't care if I make a single fucking dime later on from YouTube, from views from it or anything. The the thing that brings me the most happiness is randomly I'll see on my phone someone commented on the video saying, 
great work. I really love this. It's a great story. Thanks for all your hard work. Yeah. And that's all you need. Just some, you know, it, money would be great. It would be nice. You know, it's a nice bonus, but it can never, if you truly love what you do, that can never, ever be the priority. And if it is, you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, pretty much. You know, that, that should come as a surprise bonus. You know, and of course, you'd rather be doing something you love than your job or something. But like, that's just not the reality of what most of us do. And if, if something happens for you, if you, if you actually change your focus, and that's still with COD, sometimes I think, hey, who knows? You know, I don't give a shit anymore. I don't care. I don't care that we're not as big as this band or we haven't been featured in that. It would all be nice. And we're certainly going to keep trying. We're going to put, our, you know, get our name out there as much as we can. But it's just not that fucking important. We're going to still make music regardless. It's not going to change anything. So, you know, if something more happens, that's great. And that's the theory for everything. Just do something like you with your podcast. You know, I feel the same way, man, with the band. Like, nothing makes me happier than when somebody comments, you know, on, on like, hey, I love the album, this and that. Yeah. You know, it's not so much that, hey, man, I just bought the 100 copies of the album. You know, it has nothing to do with, like, where's my money if you like it? It's like. No, I'm just so happy that there's some people that appreciate it. You know, that's I wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah, I, that's that's one that's one reason I wouldn't do the band. If I put that out and there was complete crickets, of course that's going to ruin your motivation. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, you're doing music for yourself, but you're not going to keep doing something you don't think any other human being enjoys. It kind of sucks the motivation and fun out of it for you. So that's that's what keeps me going. I don't plan on making money with the band, you know, but as long as people enjoy it. And the same with your podcast. If you get some comments and stuff, it just it's enough to keep you going. You just want to feel like your hard work meant something to somebody, you know? It's almost like how you were talking about earlier about just like saying that, hey, I was here in the world. I did something. I think that's with any human being feeling like with the natural instinct of wanting to survive. And that's like passing on your genes with children or whatever, but also passing on your knowledge, what you thought, right? all this stuff. You know, it's in the form of music, podcasts, whatever, written word in a book, whatever. I think uh, we all feel that need to always want to, like, we want to leave our legacy. You know, we want to leave our stamp on the world. Right. And I think that's, right. that's I feel like the main reason why uh, it drives me more than anything else, more than money or, um, you know, a, a vacation or whatever, you know. Yeah, because that stuff gets old after a while. I always see people like at the gas station, like these fucking derelicts and they're, you know, holding me up. You know, I'm like, dude, come on, man. Can you just step aside? I got it. I got to get the fucking work. I just need some goddamn gas, you know, like, you know, playing the lotto for 10 minutes. You know, hold on. They got to scratch it. It's like I always want to walk up and say, excuse me, sir. What the fuck would you even do with $10 million or whatever the hell it is? I mean, what would you do? <laughs> you buy a bigger TV and fucking, you know, scratch your balls longer every day. I mean, what do you need all this money? What are you going to do to change the world? You don't need this fucking money. Yeah. You know, it's, all these pieces of shit, they just want, I want to cash in for what? <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to own a raceway. I wanted to own my own race car. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, think, I think you'll be just fine without that, dude. You know, but it's like this 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 idea that, you know, if you don't have money, you don't mean shit. And believe me, I struggle with that, too. We all do, because it's just, it kind of defines people. You can't help but to feel a little jealous of what some people may have and whatever. And you feel like you should be more. But you got to try to fight that. And we all deal with that. And, like, going back to what you said, you know, it's, it's all individual. I'm not, I don't want to also make it seem like, 
if you're not doing art, you're not, you know, you know, you don't matter either. It's like, it could be as easy as like passing on lessons to, you know, your child or your, your niece or nephew, you know, just leaving your mark. And that's the thing. We're all connected. I believe that it just, just giving out some positivity, putting something out there, something to leave with somebody. And then that stays with them and they give it to someone else. It doesn't have to be any kind of material thing or any kind of media thing. It's just, just keep that in mind as you live. Whatever the fuck it is you enjoy, just try to leave your mark. Even if it's just doing something nice for somebody that they'll never forget. And then they'll tell somebody, who knows, what's the nicest thing ever? And they might talk about you and you are here. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something physical is what I'm saying. It's just, I think if everybody would focus their mindset on that instead of all this fucking, this cloud of bullshit that we're constantly you know, shown on social media, on TV, it's all an illusion. It's not fucking real. And like you said, most of these people are so fucked yeah. that if you, you would think they'd be the happiest people, their lives are a fucking mess. Yeah. You know, with mo money, mo problems. Remember that shit. Exactly. That's, that's, you know, couldn't be speak truer. Yeah. Put that shit on my fucking tombstone. <laughs> Cause sure as hell, there ain't going to be any kind of money in there, but. Anyway, I'll wrap it up there. I just wanted to uh, leave people with some positivity. And I also say, fuck the world. I fucking hate people and uh, rotten hell. There we go. I just want to make sure that's clear, too. I don't want to seem too soft here. Oh, man, that really hit home with me. Right to the heart. We're we're all about equality over here. <laughs> yeah, will do, sweet cheeks. <laughs> all righty. Well, Matt Ford, it was great talking to you. I do appreciate your time and being on the show once again. And uh, make sure to check out Cod's Circus of Dead Squirrels, their new album, Scary Melodies. It will be hitting Spotify and iTunes and all that very soon, but it's available on bandcamp.com right now. So definitely check it out and check out many other things that Matt Foran has in his life. And uh, we'll leave you at that. Any last words you, you would like to say, Mr. Matt? Uh, no, I just want to thank you, DJ, for uh, doing this again with me. And it was nice to actually talk to you uh, like a normal person instead of being an asshole to you. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. <laughs> this was very, very nice. I appreciate yeah, it. It was very nice. I, yes, I do appreciate your time as well. And uh, thank you for uh, for doing this with me. And hopefully I'll be back on here at some point. And maybe, uh, maybe even me and you can do something at some point. Oh, of course. I was wanting to talk to you about that, actually. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that as a surprise, but who knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll keep going. We're going to take our own advice. We're just going to keep leaving that old uh, mark on the world, right? Exactly. Just keep stomping a mud hole in the world's ass. Yeah, with our with our vulgar humor and uh, offensive uh, material, and yeah. the world won't forget us, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I'd say All so. Alrighty. All right, man. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. No problem, dude. All right. Take care, man. Yeah. Bye-bye. Peace out, brother. Peace. episode of Industrial Industries World Radio does come to a close. I want to give a huge monumental thank you to Matt Foran to being on the show. 
besides that, thank you guys for listening. If you want more of the show, you can go on to YouTube where it's the visual aspect of this podcast. There's a lot of content on there that is not on this podcast and vice versa. There's a lot of stuff on this podcast that isn't on the YouTube channel. So you kind of get a best of both worlds. So for the full experience, go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. It's the same thing, same name as this podcast. It's Industrial Industries World Radio. And you're bound to find something on there to enjoy, if not everything. And that's all I got for you today. Uh, if you want something else to listen to podcast wise, I do have a show that I go over every single Beavis and Butthead episode and I'm right now on episode 56. I'm working on that one right now. So there's 55 Beavis and Butthead episodes that I do go over. And if you want to find this podcast, search The Butt Chronicles on any podcast app. It's everywhere and subscribe to that and listen to that if you are a big huge Beavis and Butthead fan or if you'd never even watched them maybe this would be a nice introduction you could get into it by listening to me talking about them anyways thank you guys for listening uh, once again I am your host DJ Glowing Ice have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you once again very very soon and that's it peace out next time on Industrial Industries World Radio.